yes, there's the, the literal sense of you were a victim of a crime, of a trauma, of something like rape. But you said it yourself. The reality is that the rapist wins. And also, who, who gives a fuck about the rapist? At the end of the day, it's your life that matters, right? Do you mm. win if you let it hold you down your whole life? And it's, it's life, extremely man. difficult. Look, like you said, I could never imagine. Never, never, ever yeah, imagine. Yeah, I, I can't judge. What that would be like. That. I can't judge on but that. But the reality is, it's our responsibility. By the way, it's our responsibility as men to hold other men accountable, number one. Number two, help women who have been victims of that yep. get through it. That's where we need to be. You can't do that when you have a victim mentality thinking like, and by the way, that's us as men thinking like, oh, well, the world sucks. And I guess this is just, this is going to happen to you and blah, blah, blah. No, you got to fucking grab that shit by the reins and say, no, motherfucker, I'm going to help you get out of this. I'm going to help you learn to trust men again. I'm going to help you. That's what a father, by the way, a good father should do. A good brother should do. What's cooking, everybody? I am joined in the bunker today by Mr. Gavin Aiden. Gavin is an internationally top-ranked powerlifter, and I got to tell you, we didn't talk a whole lot about that. I assumed when Gavin came in here, we were going to talk about that powerlifting career of his and talk about things like staying healthy during the COVID pandemic and discipline and, and anything like that. We did not. I, I think we did touch a little bit of discipline, but instead... Gavin brought a whole bunch of very, very hot-button social issues to the table. He went right at all the hard ones and brought them here for us to discuss and go back and forth on. So there were times we agreed, times we disagreed, and frankly, that is for a guest to, to do that, that is exactly, exactly what I want. So I would encourage you to listen to the full context of the different subjects we talk on today because they go all over. I mean, it is really like... I can speak for myself. My head hurt while we were talking about this stuff. I was trying to figure out exactly where we were or like where I even stood on some issues and they're hard. And some of these are even like the controversial things. I'm, I'm not going to go into what it was. You can see the timestamps, but these are the exact types of conversations I want to happen here. And furthermore, totally coincidentally, but I just recorded this episode with Gavin, and then right after that, I recorded what's going to be next week's episode. And similarly to Gavin, I'm not going to say who next week's guest is yet, but similarly to Gavin, I expected the conversation to be strictly on their expertise, like what they do. And once again, it went to a lot of social issues, not for all of it, but for much of it. And it just so happens that Gavin happens to be a guy who leans to the right, and my next guest is going to be a guy who leans to the left. And... This is also something that is exactly what I want to happen here. I want a forum that introduces all ideas from across the political spectrum, provided that they're not evil, in which case we don't have any time for that, but all different ideas for us to have discussions about it, you guys to listen and make your own judgments. I always tell people, if you agree with everything I say or everything even a guest says, that's, that's probably not great and that's probably not possible. There are so many difficult issues out there billions, trillions of them, that the chances of all of us agreeing on something are so slim. And I'm, especially with me, I am all over the place. I, like, I am all over the place. So there's no way you can agree with me on everything. So we don't want to turn this into any kind of echo chamber or anything like that. This is something that really I should have said in an intro a long time ago. I, I know I've talked about, like, nuance and, and things like that. But to be very, very clear... I want you to disagree with what happens here in, in some of these conversations, and it could be with either me, the guest, or both. So these next two episodes, I think, are going to be a great symbolism for that because, again, we, we touch some touchy, 
touchy things. So thank you to Gavin for bringing this up, and I'll thank my next guest next week as well for him bringing this stuff up. But I thoroughly enjoyed this one, and, and this is what makes this job awesome. Anyway, one quick announcement this week. One, one quick announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, we're sponsored. So I thought I was going to go into a lot of detail about this. I'm going to keep it lighter right now. I'll probably give a little more detail next week. And I'm going to do some sort of social post on, on Instagram to, to run through it and actually make it a nice little full announcement. But we are sponsored by 8sleep. 8sleep is the company that Alexander Horowitz from number 17 and 18 is the chief of staff at, and they are a mattress company. They make robot mattresses. That's the best way to put it. Essentially, the Pod Pro, which is their premium mattress product, takes six hours of sleep and due to the technology makes it feel like you got eight. Can't say it any better than that. I have used the product, used it for a while now. It's, it is absolutely phenomenal in every single thing that they say it is. So would highly recommend you guys getting that. We'll talk about it more. Essentially, what you're going to see is an affiliate link within my show descriptions and probably on my socials. And you'll be able to go on there and use the code name Trendifier, T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, and get money off of your orders. I'm going to give the full details on exactly how much money and specifically what products you will get that off on. I say that right? Yeah, get that off on. But just want to make the announcement now and thank the 8sleep team for being the first official sponsor of the show. Now, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button, and leave a like and comment on the video if you would, please. To all of you who have left a five-star review with a comment on Apple Podcasts, thank you. They are amazing, and they really, really help with new listeners who are coming in to listen to the show or think about giving the show a chance for the first time. They go, they read those reviews, and then you know they give a thumbs up or thumbs down on whether or not they're, they're going to try it out. So to all the people who have been writing those positive reviews, it does go a long way. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet and could take a few seconds to do that, I would really, really appreciate it. That said... You know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trend Fire. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. Uh, what kind of energy drink we got here? This is Rain Body Fuel. Do you know who uh, Half Thor Bjornsson, big, big brawly dude, uh, strong man, was in Game of Thrones? Yes, watched? yes, right. I know who that He's is. He's sponsored. So Monster Energy Drink, they they own Rain, all right? Mm. And uh, this was like their way of, I guess, like branching their energy drink uh, vibe or energy into fitness, right? So he's sponsored by them. So therefore, I'm thinking if I drink these, I'm going to get as strong as him. So there we go. <laughs> and they taste pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. And and how long has this been around? Oh, man, dude. Maybe like uh, since quarantine, at least, I want to say. I, they blew up within the last year. I'll give you that. Like that, mm. I, yeah. You know, it's tough, too, because a lot of these, like, energy drink, energy drinks in general, but also the companies themselves, they tend to be, like, trendy, right? Yeah. So it's like... It's easy for them to make it. Oops. 
it's easy for them to make up make it but it's hard for them to last and sustain you know what i'm saying so like why this, is that because everybody wants a new thing dude like yeah. it, it's like bang you know bang energy right okay <laughs> do i know bang energy right exactly bang energy! <laughs> i got my bang <laughs> did, bang it up baby did, you must have had some rain right definitely wasn't a bang because no. you wouldn't have that much energy if you no. had bang. <laughs> every basic like 13 year old influencer is already like cracked out on every drug known to man was drinking bang energy so. yep Yep. That kind of did that. And one if you for went me. to if you went to like the expos, like I went to the Arnold with my girlfriend, and they make it like a club. Like they got mm. two stages, right across uh, right across from each other, and they got blasting music, hot girls, like everything. Right? <laughs> they got and they're just right, they're man. just throwing shit. Yeah. So, but now they're kind of phasing out. So, dude, you can market anything. Oh, I, absolutely. I remember absolutely. in Greece, like they still have that same shit for like camel cigarettes and stuff really oh yeah man oh so like people are no matter what it is and then you know they do it at something like the arnold where you know it's supposed to be like everyone into fitness and whatever no matter what it is like they're gonna market it and then what ends up happening you talk about them being trendy but half these things i'm always skeptical of them because half of them are just shit man i mean like like what's in this one that makes it pretty good so i like i trust you so i mean well see here's the thing i i like this one because it has 300 milligrams of caffeine which mm. is probably not not good, right? You don't want to have. I mean, you know, look. If you're stacking that with coffee, which I do, with coffee, <laughs> pre workout, all that other stuff, by the end of the day, you're having like, I don't know, at least a gram of caffeine, like a thousand milligrams of caffeine. Uh, but this stuff, I mean, it has some vitamins in it. It says apparently B vitamins, B three, B six, B twelve, to be exact. Love the bees. Says increased concentration, so that's great. Reduced fatigue. Is, I mean, is B six biotin it might be biotin there's like a b complex i think biotin is in that got it yeah but uh some electrolytes and it's pretty much zero calories which you know if you're in fitness that's that's wait it's got zero calories it's got 10 but 10 is basically zero you can do you have any more of those bad boys oh my god dude of course let's let let's check this thing out See, I like I was never a big monster guy ever or anything like that. And obviously, like that's the shittiest example. And like I said, I wasn't a bang guy, but I never really did any of this stuff either. The only pre-workout I ever used was like the basic bitch stuff, like C4. Yeah, yeah, you don't, know, don't use C4. Don't why why do you say no C4? So all those mainstream pre-workout companies, their job is to sell product and have the biggest margin they can, right? So they're gonna put a whole no. bunch of fill Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy, crazy. They have so much crap stuff into that fillers all that stuff and it's, it's just not good for you i mean half the time because none of this stuff is regulated right so half the time what you're getting isn't even what the label says mm. it's bullshit so the supplement companies that i go to now are the ones that have been kind of like tried and true lots of reviews on them um go out of their way to get third-party testing stuff like that now how does that work like third Which, party oh third-party testing because this is this is very interesting that you brought this up real fast just like how it's unregulated because people think about you know the fda regulating drugs and stuff and then foods being regulated and everything but it's it's always interesting to me that when you get into like energy drinks and i don't even know what the fuck you call this stuff as far as like what the official tagline on it is but it's such a wild west and yet we live in this society that expects everything to be like stamped organic yeah. approved whatever we you know? we are kings of marketing man i mean for third party t- so like think of it this way let's say you're a plant you're a manufacturer you make this stuff for companies mm. right so now how do you make more money 
Well, you could say, you know what? Not only will we produce your stuff, we'll distribute it, we'll pack it, and we'll test it for you. So you have a stamp of approval saying, hey, guys, look, this is what's in it. It's coming straight from a manufacturer. So it's almost like everything's kept in-house. Now, would they ever tell the company that they're creating the product for that, hey, there's something bad in here? No, right? No. So it's a, it's a feedback loop. But with that said, that's, I mean, it's just, it, like I said, it's that extra stamp. It's that extra comfort that you have. And what's the alternative? Something that's not tested, you know? So, so I wish, I wish I knew the true ins and outs of it. However, unfortunately, like, I feel like they purposefully keep it very under wraps. Like the whole supplement industry in general, like energy drinks, protein supplements, creatine, all that stuff. It's very vague and it's vague yeah. for a reason, you know? And like, so I have a psychology background and I studied pharmacology for a little bit, right? So we Pharmacology? Looked, it's like psychopharmacology, like drugs, like Adderall, Ritalin, like mm-hmm. all these different drugs, right? One of the things that we talked about was how how jam-packed the FDA truly is. Like they don't have enough people. Oh, no. So you throw in stuff like supplement. They could barely handle what's already on the market. I mean, so many companies are putting out drugs and testing and stuff. They can't handle supplements, nor do they care to handle them, you know? So it's going to stay unregulated for a really long until time. Until they get a lawsuit on it. That Yeah. that right. or, or honestly, until like enough people say, hey, what the fuck? Like, I'm not... Why, why is this allowed? You know, this, is, this shouldn't be okay. It's so funny when you look at our top-down society over time. I mean, you can even go back to the 1910s, 1920s, whatever. Everything is just based on reaction. You know, not even response, just straight up reaction to stuff. Like we don't worry about something until the bubble pops. I mean, you can look at it economically, but I look at it with things like this and you bring up the FDA, the corruption in organizations like that. And maybe corruption isn't even the word, though there is that too. The, the, The total just like, this is how we do things, this is how it's done, all right, whatever, check a box, society that it is, is crazy because then it takes people dying from something, you know, some bullshit energy drink or some terrible supplement that shriveled them up and they died. Like, it takes something like that for suddenly the documentary people to come out, make the documentary, get it all over the news, have the media go nuts, create this whole hysteria, and then boom, now the FDA is going to do something. Yeah, And yet it's still also a government re- agency, which inherently just by definition is going to be totally correct yeah (laughs) it's not going to be organized right so it's it's amazing to me that we still can't even get our hands around like drug problems and stuff like that and then yet we can have conversations about stuff like this like energy drinks and no just accept the fact that like yeah nothing's gonna be done about it for now yeah i you know i think i mean people like to blame it on like capitalism and just like the greed and yes i'm sure that plays a role but you also have to think about like necessity as the mother of invention, right? So like mm. it's it's not until there's a problem, why are you going to fix it? You know, like I studied CNS or central nervous system fatigue. I was trying to figure out what it was. So when I say CNS fatigue, like you know when you're sore, right? You know when you're tired, when you're lazy. Somehow caffeine, like I mean, we know the mechanisms, but caffeine makes you more alert. Now all of a sudden you have energy, right? But what's going on when you're, you just feel weak, you feel hollow, like you got enough sleep, you're being, your stress has been fine, whatever it is, you go into the weight room, let's say, right, or you're playing sports, you're on the field, and you just feel like shit, like you just can't move, you don't feel as strong, that's your CNS, that's your central nervous system, right? So I tried to figure out, well, what's that fatigue like? And ultimately, it's like, well, first of all, it's very difficult to define, but at the same time, nobody really cares because it's like, well, there's nothing wrong. Like you just get over it. And then the next day you're probably better. Right. And so it's the same thing with like a lot of the drugs and the what supplements. What do you mean you're probably take. better? Like you're going to wait it out. 
It's almost like it's almost like um, like when you're really tired or you're lethargic. You're like, you're not going to go to the doctor. You're not going to take something. You're like, okay, well, you know what? Hopefully tomorrow I feel better, right? It's what like if it's it never exactly goes like that. away, though. <laughs> That's why I was looking at it <laughs> because it's like, dude, you have these spurts three, four days that then turn into months and then years, and you have what I would see as long term depression as a result of it, right? Imagine always feeling like shit, always feeling weak, feeling tired, and energy drinks can't fix that. So. I think the bigger issue is like, I mean, I don't mind where everything's at right now, but I do think that if there's a push for innovation for people to regulate, right, then there needs to be like a, a necessity, so to speak. And that unfortunately ends up being like, oh, well, a lot of people are dying from this. A lot of people are clinically depressed because of this. So let's look into it. What was that exact line? Innovation and necessity? Oh, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm. That's deep. Yeah. <laughs> That's really I like that a lot. It's because yeah. you're getting at, and I I think you're you're already kind of touching on this, but it's that circle, that terrible circle of society where we like everything that's new until something bad happens with it. And then suddenly we want to, it's, it's zero to a hundred. It's like, okay, let's go back to zero. Right? Like I always talk about the example of self-driving cars. You know, you, you drove here today. Yep. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that you and I, in all likelihood, based on the data that we don't really see because it's still fucking behind the scenes here, in all likelihood, it is ridiculous on a statistical basis that human beings in this country are still driving cars. Because if you put human beings up against the current self-driving car technology out of 100 times, I don't know what the percentage is because, again, the data is like kind of behind the books. But it is reasonable to say that for every X number of deaths that you'd get – by human beings on an average day on an American roadway with all cars that are self-driven X is going to be less. Yeah. And yet why don't we have it? We don't have it yet because in Washington and all these local governments everywhere, they require 50 million pieces of red tape from a bunch of people who have never built shit in their life. Don't understand how innovation works and are in a cover your ass society. And so instead of like, okay, the science is clearly showing that, x is happening and let's get there you know we believe all science right no no no. you got to get trillions of miles of data these companies these teslas these googles they got to get trillions of miles of data just to get a legislature to be like all right we'll we'll allow a few on the road well uh, okay and i'm gonna play devil's advocate i agree with you yeah yeah but would what would suck more like it taking an extra 50 years to get to robots driving cars or you jump right to it, think you have enough data, and all of a sudden, like, you know, people are dying because that, that, how do I put it? That merge between like human drivers and machine drivers, because it's not going to happen overnight, right? right? You're not going to have all cars be right. just, you know, self driving. That merge causes conflict, right? And so, would you rather wait the, would you rather be more patient? It takes more time, but you're gonna have a much better, more efficient self driving system, a much more, a much better conversion, right? Or obviously not take the time, but at this, you know, you're gonna risk, I guess, deaths or lives or car accidents or whatever. I think, I think it has its place, but I do agree though, too. It is super regulated. It's a great question you ask. It's a great question. I think that's honestly that's a question that gets asked for like literally everything, right? Like yep. same thing with the space stuff that that Elon Musk is doing. Like you know, yep. all the bo- all the nuclear energy research that we should be doing is not being done simply because of a lot of what happened, you know, with Hiroshima and how we used and abused nuclear energy. Yep. Like you know, there are a lot of benefits to things that are dangerous. Can you can you give people some background on that as well? Because are you just referring specifically to when we dropped the bomb over there? Yeah, I think, well, yes. Or the stuff after as well. 
I think both. I, I think really it's not so much necessarily the specific event itself. It's it's the use of tools in a way that might be malicious or in, in any event could also be beneficial, right? So it's like, think about a hammer, right? Hammers are used to build things. They can also potentially be used to kill someone, yep. right? Okay, so really it's not the tool, it's the mechanic, okay? And that's literally the case 99.9% .9 of the time. So instead of shaming, for example, energy drinks or uh, nuclear energy, all mm. things that could be useful, instead look at the mechanic. Who's the asshole, right? Who dies from an energy drink? The guy who drinks six cans a day, right? Which is, hypothetically speaking, irresponsible. Or the person who understands that they're a tool to feel more alive, more alert, right? And only drinks one a day, right? And prioritizes sleep, nutrition, other healthy habits. So again, I think it's the mechanic who has the responsibility. It's not the tool. And so in essence, that same, that same uh, concept can be applied to everything, the self-driving cars, everything. The self-driving cars themselves are just a tool, right? So then where do you go from there? There's a lot of jobs, by the way, that you would lose too if you did kind of rip apart the whole, yeah. you know? So it's like, where, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Um, so yeah, I think it's like a domino effect. But at the end of the day, if we all just recognize who's truly responsible, then you can find solutions for a lot of these things. It's just a matter of actually working to find the solutions, you know, as opposed to just like band-aids, band-aids, band-aids. You're raising the point of the the two sides of every coin of every issue, which is and, – and that's what we forget. And I, I did mention in that one answer the zero to 100 model. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's what I was trying to get at yeah. too because we always answer everything as black or white and we don't answer it gray. And look, are there things in this world that are binary like this is killing somebody is bad? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you killed that person in cold blood, that's pretty bad. That, that's, that's pretty binary, right? Yep. So it's not, you don't want to be one of these guys like, well, let's just question everything, right? Yeah, yeah. But you do want to look at it from a sense of, okay, well, what's, what's the common sense point here? And like, I always, you know, we use the example of politics all the time too, just like with our discourse today. And I always look at it and so many things I see, like I'm kind of all over the place and I'll, I'll be like, well, that no that's not the answer and then i'll be like well no that's not the answer either and then i start thinking about it i'm like well the answer i mean hypothetically it must be somewhere in the middle right and so whenever we have these situations this whole rabbit hole started with going talking about the lack of regulation around energy drinks it becomes when those lawsuits happen when the mechanic misuses the energy drink which maybe was a bad energy drink in that way but they took eight of them a day and died or whatever it now becomes well now none of them can exist exactly and that's the and that's problem a huge that's where i have problem. a problem yeah and there's a fear like and you can see that totally with the pandemic as well right like you've got you've got so much going on with covid with and we can say fake news we can say people that propaganda even You've got so much going on, so much misinformation. Yep. People are scared, dude. And like, what are they going to do? And we're herd animals, right? And so it's so difficult to A, be an outlier and B, find the outliers, right? So like, for example, in a world of misinformation, in a world where everybody's reacting to one another and wherever that first domino was, it doesn't even fucking matter after a while, right? Where, when are people going to step up? And where are you going to find them, right? And so it's Elon Musk, in my opinion, is one of those people. So I think it was Obama that stopped NASA's uh, space launches or something like that. He put in a policy. You're going to have to double check me on, on your Google okay. screen. But I'm pretty sure he was the one who put that in. And then uh, I think Trump 
reinstated it, obviously, because we just recently launched. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe like six yeah. or eight months ago, right? It was over the summer or something like that. One thing about Trump is that, and I don't understand this. I think just he liked rockets or whatever. Yeah. So, like that's <laughs> it was probably that simple. But, you know, every president almost since we got on the moon has in a lot of ways deprioritized yeah, our, our really space sad. program. It's really yeah. weird. So I, I hope Biden continues what Trump was doing there because yeah. one thing I did like about that is he was like empowering guys like Elon to be like, yo, tell us what Dude, to do. Dude, hundred percent. But it, and it took it took the lack thereof for guys like Elon Musk, the outliers, to step up. And then again, it's like, okay, can we find those people? Because those are the people we want to be led by, or at least some of us do, right? So rather than be afraid, scared of the unknown, look at someone like Elon Musk, and it's like, okay, this is someone that I don't want to say aspire to be like, but you can definitely be led by in some sense. Mm. And I'm just pulling up that thing. I'm, I'm pulling up the official space policy of the Barack Obama administration. Yeah. Uh, I saw something on the preview here. Whenever we're doing something like this, complicated it can be a little bit hard to find while we're while we're recording so the preview on google was that uh from the 2010 nasa budget request and bipartisan congress refused to fund it any longer gotcha and that was just some basic nasa funding so it sounds like it was it was a full washington problem yeah. Like they were all and, – and that's consistent because we've had Republican and Democrat presidents for the last 50 years, right? And they've yeah. all kind of deprioritized it. But you, you, it's funny you bring up the space example because this is not – this has come up a few times on this podcast with different people oh, really? in, in different contexts. But the same issue, which is this is arising out of the, the risk that you're willing to take, right? It, it's very risky. To go to space it's risky to try to go to mars it's risky to put people out of this atmosphere it's risky to build things that can blow up in an instant right and i think it's naval ravikant especially has talked about this a lot over the last few years but in the 2000s we've we've had tremendous innovation in software in, in things you can't touch right in the internet in the ether things that don't like can't kill you but our physical world innovation has been hurting because we're afraid to take risks. We're afraid to risk one life or whatever. But when you – and what was – one more time, what was that phrase? The Necessity is the mother of invention. I'm going to have to – that might be on hanging on the yeah, wall Yeah, we're going to have to put this. that yeah. – That's just pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I'm going to send you a plaque after Necessi this. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget it again, but necessity <laughs> is the mother of invention. I, I guess if I'm reading that correctly – People over time have had to figure out how to do shit, so they invent stuff to do it, and they take risks to do it. Like, yep. there were probably cavemen that died trying to get fire. Absolutely. Right? But there are more cavemen that died not having the fire. Correct. And that's that's the whole point here. Yeah. So I, you kind of just answered the question I was going to pose, but it seems to me like we're at that point now where we have to question, well, hey, we don't want to be assholes here and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. People are going to die, whatever. But- you do want to go into things and say like, all right, let, let's try to find new territory on whatever it is. And look, you know, it's risky. So people that want to do this are going to be – are going to have to be people that actually really believe in it because, you know, you're trying to move forward humanity, but yeah. you're taking a risk. No, dude, absolutely. And the thing is too, like, it's funny because it always comes full circle. Like anything that you're really passionate about, you're going to have a natural drive to excel in it. Beyond that, you're going to have a natural drive, not even like to compete, but to be around people that feel the same way, right? 
because as humans, we have this innate feeling to, or this innate need to belong, right? Yeah. So really what we need is to encourage people to follow through on the things they're passionate about. Fuck all the material bullshit, all the man-made bullshit. That stuff will always be there. Follow and pursue the things that you really care about because in time you will find the cure to cancer. You will be the one who's up in the spaceship. It's just that that's literally how it goes as a power lifter. Like there's a time when I'm just working out in the gym. I have a dream of becoming a world champion and all I do is put in the work. Dude, the, that's it. It's just consistency and discipline. Why was I able to do it? Just because of passion, bro. Like I'm, I'm passionate about it. I find other people are passionate about it. I learn from them, right? And so that's literally it. Like you're doing a physical thing too. Oh yeah, yeah, Which, absolutely, absolutely. No, that that because give yourself difference. credit here. You're you're risking getting hurt all the time. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, no, for sure. Yeah, and then you can't if you do like you pop a hamstring. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out, out for, for six months. Yeah, yeah, you're out you know? for a while. Yeah, and but and that's but so what pushes you to do it? Like what for someone like myself, John, for example, right? Who you had on the podcast, mm-hmm. CEO of Stu United. What's going to push him? to fund every round when he, when he knows his neck's on the line, when he knows there's money, like real people's money's on the line. Right. And all of his hard work, what's pushing him is his passion. He has a vision. He has a dream, a dream for something better, a higher standard. That's literally all this is. Someone like Elon Musk is no different than you or I. Like there's a bigger vision, a dream Whoa. of something more. <laughs> I know the, the guy might happen to be <laughs> yeah. 10 times smarter. Than that, but <laughs> Just saying a little bit were, richer, but <laughs> if I were betting on an alien, <laughs> yeah, that's a first round draft <laughs> oh, pick. So we're saying it now. Elon Musk is an alien. That's that's the dude. I always joke that if I were betting on the aliens, Elon Musk and Trump for wildly different reasons. But really, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting pair. Exactly, because <laughs> they have nothing in common. But that's I, fair. I feel like, like, and I don't any. Don't take me seriously here, people. But I feel like with with Musk, there's just something. Yeah, there's something clicking there. I think he's just more on the spectrum than most, but still has the social capabilities more so than most. That would be on the yeah. extre- on the spectrum if that makes sense. No, that's that's an interesting point. He just when you watch him, it's <laughs> every time you watch him talk about anything, it's almost like in the hangover remember when alan is like looking at all the numbers in the yeah, sky yeah, and whatever yeah. and like he's actually like dead ass figuring <laughs> that's it out so true that's almost like elon even when he's talking about like a meme absolutely. like he's calculating everything that you and i absolutely aren't, yeah you know yeah now i'm thinking about it now that's that's hysterical that's a great way to put it even like on his on the podcast too like he'll be talking about something like just trivial like mm-hmm. hey like who's what's your favorite baseball team with like, I don't really know. I, uh, I never really thought about that. I, <laughs> I was sitting in my dorm room at Penn and I was thinking about fostering the future of humanity. <laughs> yeah. You just, you don't, yep. you don't have much time for baseball. <laughs> it's, I, I could listen to him talk all day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love it, dude. I, I really, he's one of the few people that are, look, obviously I don't know him personally, but he's one of the few people who I'm okay with listening to in terms of like guidance, not just like, oh, let me throw on a podcast. It's like, what's his take on this and whatever it is i'm probably going to back it you know i'm more comfortable because he's he's very uh self-reflective and he's very um in order to do what he's done in the way that he's done it you have to be extremely accountable and mm. anyone who's extremely accountable i think for the most part you should be able to trust or at least trust that they're going to try to do the right thing you know do you worry about cuz the the line you said there like i'm i go into it 
thinking, yeah, I'm probably going to agree with this. It's a natural human thing, by the way, for people that we like, right? Yeah. Like I go into stuff with people all the time, including him. And that that is kind of the net or not net, the base way that I feel. I do try to pull myself back. Like I try to be self-aware now, like, okay, I'm going to listen or watch someone I really like right now. I need to go in and hear what they have to say, though, and not just assume they're going to be right. Because, look, if you're going to pick someone that you're going to assume that with, Elon Musk is probably the top of that list. I agree with you a thousand percent. But do you think a lot of people now just find – like you talked about tribes earlier too. People just kind of find their people that they they like and then suddenly, boom, no matter what they say, it's all correct and they never think for themselves on it. There's definitely cults and there's definitely very dense groups of people that truly do relate to each other. And because of the intensity of the emotional connection, so like, for example, um, let's say uh, like, like emo culture, right? Those mm. are very strong emotional ties. It's a smaller community, but it's so strong because it's grounded in emotion, like people feeling a certain type of way about their life, whether it be depression, suicide, where they grew up in abusive homes. These are real traumatic shit, you know? And, and so when you find other people that are going through it, you now have people to go through it with. That's much stronger than being like, yo, you like rain, I like rain, cool, let's be buds, you know what I mean? So I think that there's definitely those 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 populations but it also spreads out like i love metal music i love metalcore i go to the concerts but i i can't say that i you know i identify with that super dense subgroup of people that would consider themselves like emo right so and i think it's healthy because it balances out society so to answer your question i definitely do think that there are like you know there's definitely room for those in really intense like loyal groups of people but i don't i think it's as you age as you get older like you said, you should start to learn, okay, I can listen to this. I can be here and enjoy people's company in this group, but that doesn't mean that everything they say is like my gospel. You know what I mean? Yeah. That takes a lot of maturity, by the way, because you have to oh trust, God, you have to trust yeah. yourself to do, because like, even as like a 23 year old guy, dude, like, and especially with the way society is now, I, I don't even know what the fuck it means to be a guy anymore. You know, like, what does it mean to be a man? Like, what is that, you know, who am I offending when I say that? You know, and it's, and it's no disrespect to anybody, but it is kind of like a confusing thing for a lot of, for a lot of men, right? So, You're referring to like masculinity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I that. feel like there's an attack on masculinity um, or at least a reconstruction of it. And the problem is like, that's fine. Like we can go through that. Totally fine. Again, necessity is the mother invention. Maybe there are things that need to be changed and need to be addressed. Absolutely. The problem is there's nobody stepping up to guide anyone. So it's like you're telling, it's like this, you're telling the young young boys, young men, hey, there's something wrong with you, right? Or your people, but I'm not going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you what it is, but I'm not going to tell you how to fix it. And I'm also not going to tell you what would be the result of you trying to fix it, right? It's just all up in the air. So we're mm. in this like transition phase of trying to pick out problems, but there's no solutions. And so do you know Jordan Peterson? Of course. All right. That's why I love him because he's making an attempt to do that. Whether he's right or wrong, doesn't matter. I don't even care what, where, what side they lie on, doesn't matter. All that matters is that he's actually making an attempt to guide people, to guide young people. And how, how is he doing that in your estimation? Well, I think he's taking hard stances. People are afraid to take sides. So he's saying, like, listen, men and women have biological sex differences. Against the status quo, you're saying. Against, well, it could be against or for, but usually sure. in this case, yeah. it would be against, yeah. right? Yeah. The difference is that he's telling me, he's like, hey, Gav, listen, you can be, it's okay to feel aggressive. 
Why? Because it's literally in you. That's how you are hardwired. That gives me some clarity. So now I don't feel like a piece of shit every single time my anger flares up because, I don't know, somebody said something to me or something stupid happened, right? So, and or on the, on the same token, he might say, because of our biological sex differences, because of how men are hardwired, we're going to think differently about family support. We may not want to clean dishes. We may not want to do that, but that's, it's not coming from a place of, oh, that's a woman's job, right? Mm. To him, he's coming from a very scientific approach. And so I think he offers a lot, um, a lot more than people give him credit for. Um, and as a young man, like I, look, I want to do right. I have women in my life who I absolutely love. I have a sister, I have my mom, my girlfriend, you know, and, and so it's, it's really, it's more so like, how do I be the best version of myself, right? And use the things that are innately mine, right? To do best, not just for myself, but also for society. And I feel like there's a lack of direction with that. That is a dense, dense topic. <laughs> but it's, it's, we haven't really talked about this. No, on, on really? The you know, that that's actually Not, kind of surprising. Like Jordan's obviously come up a few different times because different guests have, have identified with some of the things he says. But when we talk about masculinity, it's like this dangerous thing. Now, oh, yeah, which, yeah, absolutely. Look, I find that to be bullshit. I think that regardless of who you are, what your background is, what your political affiliation is, what, you know, what your family life is like, what your environment's like. I think there are some, some things that we should be able to say, well, no, this is, this is a way that I think you said hardwired. Like this is a way things are hardwired to be, you know, like, I don't think it's a problem if, if we look at the other side too, and say, it's more likely that a female is really going to want to be a nurse. Like there are some hardwired care abilities in women that you hit it on the head that frankly like it'd be great if men had that yeah we we don't right like that is not exactly what we are and and not to cut you off no no but it's good but the reality of it is too it's okay to blend and to teach men to not to be more caretakerish right and to teach women to be more go-getters aggressive like fuck the family like like it's okay you could do that problem is this how good is a hybrid car right? Electric and gas compared to an all gas or an all electric. And all I'm trying to say by that is it's okay. You can have a hybrid, but don't expect anything special. It's like powerlifting, right? Or weightlifting, right? Let's say you play baseball. Okay. If all you do is lift heavy weights in the gym, do you really think that's going to help you on the field? No, No, it's not. No. Playing more baseball might, right? Or at least it's a better alternative. As a powerlifter, playing baseball on the side, is that going to help me in my sport? No. no. If I want to be a hybrid, sure, that's great. But if I'm trying to be a world champion and the best I could possibly be, right? Which one should I go with? I should go with the one that's more specified to what my advantages are. And as a man and a woman, I definitely do think that there, there are innate, like you said, women are literally, I mean, it's, they're hardwired to be genuinely kind and and to be caretakers and to take and raise children and at i mean maybe this comes from like you know the the whole oh well two thousand years ago we had to we had hunters and gatherers and maybe that's it or maybe it is truly biological like innate whatever it is you do feel that you know and there and because of those sex differences like men will never truly be able to understand women and their perspective and women will never truly be able to understand men and their perspective and that's why we're always going to have this clash and this divide what we're experiencing now though is that you know now we have a bunch of different genders and stuff like that so everything's so fluid so you have no definitions anymore and so now it's like well what's a woman what's a man like it's funny and i mean we might piss some people off with this but it is what it is my mom said something really funny the other day she was like look you want to call yourself whatever like call yourself whatever i don't care but I think it was Time Magazine, 
one of the magazines, had a woman of the year, but it was a trans. So it was a man who trans, I guess, whatever, transitioned into a woman. Mm -hmm. She was like, but that person will never have a period. We'll never have to give birth. These are things that are like freaking like pivotal things for a yeah. woman to go through, right? Yeah. So can you truly call, can you take the credit of being a woman in a way and going through what a woman goes through without actually, or saying you go through it without actually going through it, right? And so I think there's all these like really messed up, convoluted issues that are grounded in all of this. And unfortunately, like, or maybe not unfortunately, but men are kind of like the, uh, it's like the, 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 the garbage pail. Like, just put it all there. Just put it all there. You know? It's called the intersectionality curve. Yep. And they're at the top of it. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack there. First of all, I, I agree with your mom. I, my attitude is I, I don't care. I want people to be able to do what they want to do. I also think we're going to be at a point, and I say this as not an expert, but just like some of the things I've read and then also like kind of guessing in your head as far as innovation goes and stuff like that, we will be at a point where eventually, and I don't know how this looks for the world or how good this is or whatever, yeah. but we'll be at a point, maybe it's 20 years from now, 30 years from now, where people can legitimately change sexes. And so I think somebody that, you know, if you are a female who feels like you're a male trapped, trapped in that body and it's like legit, you're not like seven years old and like, oh, you know, mommy, I think, I, I, yeah. I think I'm a guy, right? 100%. That's, that's, that's a I'll die on. We could talk about that. But if, if, if you're older and that's how you felt your whole life and you can make that decision and it, and it goes the full way, great. Do it. The other way around as well, male to female, great. Do it. Right now, we're not there to where when you do it, you are fully of the other gender. Right. So we talk about hills I would die on. Like it, There's just so many things to go at in what you just said. So we'll get to some of it. We won't get to some of it. But two things in particular. When I see males who transition to females then setting records in female sports, that pisses me off. Yeah, 100%. And, and by the way, it I'm not pissed at the person doing that. I'm pissed at the system that tells them they're allowed to do that. They're going to do what they're going to do, right? Like, well, yeah, I want to play this. Cool. No problem. That's a hill I'll die on because that person lived as a male and had biological differences. Like, we can agree that, first of all, the female and the male brains work very differently. They fire on, they fire on different neurons, which is not the medical way to say it, so don't take me literally. <laughs> but if you study the psychology of it, they do. What they have in common, though, is they have the same intellectual capacity. It's not like males are smarter than females or females are smarter than males. No, no, no. It's, they have the same intellectual capability. That's the thing that really matters at the end of the day. The second layer to it, though, and this is where some of the biology comes in, some of the quote-unquote evolution, is that physically it is a scientific fact that the average male is physically more dominant and has more abilities than a female because they have different evolutionary drives, different things that over time human beings had to do as communities to survive females played critical roles but those roles weren't going out and fucking killing dinner correct you know so i am a strong believer in that whole like live off the land like how we are we're, we're naturally animals dude mm -hmm. the two of us would have been fucking killing each other seven thousand years ago and Absolutely. like and grunting at each other you know to survive right and now we're and and i always relate this point like do i think it's great Wow, there's a lot in this one. Sorry. But <laughs> no, you're do, good. I love it. Do I think it's great that we value human life at a higher level than we ever have in human history? Absolutely. But it's the same zero to 100, two side of the coin type thing. Do I think that it's great that we do it so much that like we are, we live afraid to die rather than to live? No, I don't.
So I think our ancestors, for example, when they look at something like COVID, which was definitely a threat and is way worse than the regular flu and is something that was clearly dangerous. And you and I are both from North Jersey and we saw how that how that looked at the beginning and, and New York. Like, you know, it. like it's 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 not a hoax by any stretch. Like it's a real thing. But the level to which we took it in society was so far that our ancestors would be looking at us like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, yeah, 100%. I walked out of the cave every day wondering if I was going to get mauled by a goddamn bear. I'm not saying that that is the world that should exist. I think that's crazy, right? And I'm yeah. glad we evolved from that. But the answer is not to then, going right back to our original safety point with innovation, the answer is not to just constantly live on your knees and be like, no, no, wait, well, this could kill you. Oh, my God, that could give you cancer. Oh, my God, you can die from this. Oh, my God, you could get hit by a bus. Dude, when it ends, it ends. Yeah. If, if I walk outside right after this and get hit by a bus, oh, well, yeah. that sucks. You know what the chances are someone's going get, to get hit by a bus, though? Pretty fucking slim. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you're talking about can be pretty much like boiled down to one word and it's soft. Like we as a society are fucking soft, dude. And like, I am not at all one of those people that's like, oh, we should be at war and, you know, we should have drafts. But I am going to acknowledge the fact that we have enjoyed a very long, almost, almost 100 years, almost 100 years of no war, of no crazy war. What? What do you? We're like forty. We're about forty years away. So we're looking at we're looking at another like forty, maybe okay. thirty. Because well, Vietnam ended beginning of seventies. Okay, okay, all right. So it, then, it ended mid seventies. So, I take, that, it, so yeah. I take that back. I take that back. Half we've a enjoyed, century. Though. We've enjoyed at least half a century. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. So we take we are, we've been enjoying at least half a century of I I don't want to say peace, but of no crazy anti like just insane world level catastrophe let right? me let me hedge for you for one second because i agree with what you're saying i Go just want to make sure you're not misunderstood obviously we have a consistent problem of always finding a fucking war to be in yes right? like, that's why I'm, yes yeah, yeah yep. but the difference between warfare now and what we do versus warfare in the 40s and in the 60s and stuff when there was a draft and fucking right. tens of thousands went over there you know you can be picked up off the street and you had to go fight versus now where it's people who elect to be in the military there are less bodies needed in specific places right like as an example the iraq war i don't remember the exact number but we all agree it's this horrible well most of us agree it, it's a, it was a horrible war and something that still fucking is dragging on in some ways right. and it's sickening that we lost so many soldiers but in the context of history of losing soldiers we right. lost a lot I, less really what we're trying to so, get yeah. At, yeah what i mean is i'm just hedging for you yeah it wasn't life or death in terms of the country itself yes yes so yes. you have yeah we have our select group of people who are trained who whatever who elected to be there sure what I really want to get down to is the fact that we have so many in our country who have not had to appreciate the gravity of real life threatening uh, events or or anything like that, right? So like we're protected, like China, Korea, North Korea, like you're looking at en- Russia, you're looking at entities that would love to serve us up on a fucking platter, like would love to, but they can't. Why? Because America's strong, right? And because so far we have peace, we've cultivated peace, but if that all went away, just magically went away, what would we do, right? And so the whole point that I'm trying to make is I have a, so I have a grandfather who served in the Korean War, mm. and his, his mom was a single mother of nine and raised children through the Great Depression. She couldn't even speak English. She ran a grocery store, that kind of thing. We don't have to do that. Like, I don't have to do that, right? And so the difference is, so like my grandfather worked three jobs and whatever, and, it, and as it goes on, it goes on. Point is, they had no choice but to be tough. We get to choose. 
We have people who choose to go serve, right? I've, unfortunately, I do think that that's cultivated just a lot of soft mindsets and a lot of soft attitudes, and, and which I think to an extent is it can be beneficial to a society to have that more like caretaker, you know, like this is, um, we, we want to cultivate a sense of like belonging and love. And that's hundred percent. I definitely do think that's needed, but I think we're just having like a surplus of it now. Do you think that, cause we started it, this part of the conversation with the masculinity question, do you think that the lack of necessity and needing to fight for your life is driving and I you might have just said this, but I, I want to be sure here, is driving the lack of masculinity because because people aren't forced to go have to fight in a war or something, they are content to just explore and suddenly decide like, oh, no, I don't need to be this or, oh, no, I don't need to be that. Or, you know what, that's how we always define something. It doesn't need to be defined now. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, look, the reality is if you – like think about the laws, even just the laws. Any state you go to, it's illegal to get murdered, right? Yep. It's illegal to, 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 to hurt anybody, to have intent of harm or anything yep. like that. So when you walk outside, for the most part, you're you're not thinking like, oh my god, I might get murdered today, right? No. Instead, you're thinking about your normal daily tasks. Oh, I got to get to work on time. Oh, I got to feed the kids. Oh, I got to take the kids to practice, whatever it is. And so – at the end of the day, like you have to think about what it was like a hundred years ago. So in the 1920s, I mean, obviously in the 1920s, things were great. But then as soon as 1930s hit, it was like, boom, Great Depression. Now all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, like I have kids I cannot feed. It's not, it's like you think COVID's bad. Like that was horrible. So you're talking about two totally different times with two totally different sets of technology. And I think as a result of not having to step up, we've grown soft. It's like muscles. It always goes back to muscles. Yeah, with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I barely have any, so you know, I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah, I have it on my mug. Does this guy even lift? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you got to toss that. Is it on this one, too? No, it's oh, not. So I we got to switch mar- cops, I got the dude. marker over there. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't rub it in my face. Go ahead, though. It's, 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 like, it's like muscle, right? If you want to build muscle, you have to tear it down. Yep. And then when you tear it down, what does it have to do? It has to repair, recover, and grow back bigger and stronger. That's it. Like that. That's the essence of life in a nutshell, dude. So, I think what's the, what's the saying? It's like hard times make strong men. Strong men make easy times. Easy times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. That's the cycle. That's all I'm trying to say. These cycles are usually supposed to be based off economics more than anything. And the thing is. It's more than that, and it has a lot to do with the war aspect, unfortunately, that you brought up originally. Well, violence in general. Exactly. If you are fearing for your survival on something, and it's not something where the government with COVID tells you to go inside and just wait for it. If you are fearing what another man or another woman can do to you because of whatever the circumstances in the environment are, your biological instincts, that is an entirely separate type of thing and what what does that do like it it drives you right so like that i've heard a lot of people and i don't know if i totally agree with this but i've heard a lot of people talk about how covid covid smoked people out like it smoked out all the people that aren't really into it don't really want it right and really they were talking about the context of entrepreneurship like how bad do you really want to be successful right well covid happened i can't like that was the kind of the thing i don't totally agree with that i think some people just really like i mean how much can you take you know um but to that extent, like, you've got to, if, if you have a family, if you have responsibilities, if you have yeah. obligations, right? Like, you have a responsibility, not just to yourself, to your family, to society. 
you have to step up. And I think the beautiful part about, so like you're talking about war and stuff like that. I think it's just safety in general creates a comfort, right? So like erase, forget COVID ever even happened. We're safe, right? Economy was doing well. For the most part, everything was going great. But then all of a sudden safety gets compromised. And so now we're scared, right? And so now all of a sudden we're vulnerable. We saw exactly what happened. We folded. Society folded. The government tells you, oh, stay inside. It's an invisible threat. It's to, an invisible it's threat not a for man sure. man or a woman. It's not, it's not like we were being invaded or had to go fight in a war, right? 100%. So your original point of your grandfather growing up in the Depression, and some of us who have grandparents who are still alive can still see that with our grandparents and how they're yeah. wired from that period and how they look at the world, and it's not all wrong. Because the difference, like the reason I was bringing up, it's supposed to go back to economics and they say warfare, but really like, yes, economics is the driver of everything. If you can't pay for anything in your life, it's a fucking problem. But above that, that whole threat society, it's so true because there's this book called The Fourth Turning. You, You ever read that? No. You will love that book based Fourth on journey. this conversation okay. we're having. And I, I don't want to go into the full context right now, but these guys in 1996 or 1997 were sociologists, historians who did the one thing, the one controllable thing that most historians don't do. Like most historians, when they go to predict the future, get it very wrong yeah. because they get the ego of, oh, we know the whole past, so we can figure out what's going to happen next. And they change the narrative. All these guys did in the fourth turning is say, yo – we're not going to touch shit. We figured out a pattern that basically society happens over 80-year cycles and four generations, 80 to 85-year cycles, four generations of 21 to, to 25 years, right? Or, yeah, like 21 or 22 years, whatever it is, of these different generations that have different patterns in each part of the cycle. And when the 80 years is up, they simply repeat in a new environment, a new world, right? Yeah. But you look at the Great Depression – that was spurred by the October 29th, I think it was October 29th, 1929 crash in the stock market. And then you fast forward 80 years later yeah. to 2008, 2009, yeah. when the stock market went straight down. Great point. And the difference there is that in the Great Depression, America was still coming into itself. And when that happened, and this is not a good thing, people were, there was no government support, none. People right. were literally left on the street with nothing, no no food, no nothing, and no. people died in the streets. That would never humanely happen today, right? So 2008 happens, you know, there's some gov- there's at least some government backstop. It's not like people didn't get crushed. Of course they did. But it's this different world, and then there's right. also, at the time, because we weren't the preeminent world power necessarily then, we were like kind of coming into it, there's all these other threats around the world. And there's all these other things happening. And now suddenly, like, warfare is this whole lot of men against a lot of men go onto a field and shoot each other. Yeah. Different world now, you know? And then you can even look at that, like, I'm talking about it in the context of America. I always talk about, like, World War II, Hitler, I should say, happened because of what happened in the economy. Yes, that's 100% true. All the money that the 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 Weimar Republic printed during world war one caused then then they lost the fucking war and the whole world basically had them by the balls it, it took all their currency and devalued it through the floor so people were burning deutschmarks for fire in the yeah. street wow. and so what happens hungry dogs get desperate and yeah. they turn 
to desperate measures. Yeah, well, and that's, so, yeah. Yeah, they that's get, why Hitler was able, it was so easy for him to rise to power. You're hitting it on the money. I mean, yeah. that's why he rose to power so easily because people were famished, man. People needed something, anything, right? Everything was going. So he's like, look, follow me, man. I, I, I know the way. Right? And then, then the rest is history. You said something earlier, too. I'm bringing a lot full circle because there's just been... Yeah, I, dude, I like this. this I love great. it. Yeah, yeah. But you said something about, like, repeating things to people or, like, constant repetition. Or maybe you just hinted at it and I thought of it in my head. I can't remember. But you were talking about, like, the fake news and stuff like that. Yeah. And so the amazing thing about fake news now is is it exists on every part of the political spectrum. There is misinformation from every wing and every possible end of politics there is. And a lot of it, by the way, emanates from outside our country. People mm -hmm. just fucking injecting gasoline onto the fire. And what happens when you do that with the power of the internet and these algorithms that read what you like? They keep yeah. giving it to you. A hundred percent. They keep repeating it. They keep telling you over and over and over again. Yep. Hitler was a pre-internet phenomenon. In the sense that, okay, he didn't have the power of the internet, but he got to as many people as he could, and he was he was an incredible speaker, unfortunately, yeah. for the world, where he riled people up in a way like he was an angry speaker during an angry time where people yeah. were pissed off. So he riled people up, got them behind him, and then he just kept repeating things, and he would just keep adding yeah. more layers. And eventually, a lot of people, and I think Jordan Peterson talks about this too, like everyone has the ability technically unfortunately inherently to become a hitler uh, or yeah, something like I that, that. so let's that. get into yeah. I, I want you to explain that to people in a sec but he would keep on adding these layers and then eventually people who started good yeah. suddenly were wearing you know the fucking sociopathic yeah. swastika and saying horrible things about certain races yeah. of people you know so it, it scares me that now there is a weapon that can be used to do that at mass scale which is the internet and the connectivity yeah. we have on social well, media. Well, to that point, again, another devil's advocate moment. Do to it, that yeah. point, I think it was more powerful back then to be a guy like Hitler than it is today without the internet and social media. Why? You impact one or two people. It's word of mouth. And as we know, the stories go on, stories go on. It becomes more grandiose, more grandiose. And now all of a sudden you have fantasy. It's like, dude, that guy Hitler, man, he's a god. I mean, he's giving money to the poor. He's 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 making Germany a powerhouse. And mm. Hitler never said any of that. Oh well, that that's that's just what my friend, you know. So the the the, the um how do I put it? The, it? Everything gets lost in translation in a way, right? And so everything has the potential to become that much more powerful. And how many sources can you hear from? The only ones that are talking to you. The internet. Do people though, read though. Yeah. Well, back then probably not if they couldn't afford it. No, not back then. Now. Oh, do people read now? I understand the point you're making. I actually agree yeah, with some that's of it. A good point. Yeah, I don't but know. how much, like we talk about being lost in translation, how much yeah. do people just read the headline now? That's a very good point. I would say 99.9% .9 of the time. The be only benefit is, and this is, I'm coming full circle to the devil's advocate point. The only benefit is, yes, it's more accessible. You're more, you have more access to misinformation and propaganda, but you also have more access to people who are trying to lead you down the right path. Right. And so to, to good information, the only thing you have to do is start to just try to decide for yourself which one's the right one, which one's the wrong one. Right. And to me, the only way to do that is to listen to it all and to take it all in and to then start to realize like, okay, if I listen to Fox and I listen to CNN, try and find the middle ground. What are they inconsequently agreeing on? Right, if there is any. <laughs> yeah, good for you, you man. Know? I, don't, but I can't do any of it, them, it's but. You know, it's tough though, but I... To my point, I, I basically, I, I think, I definitely do think that now it's kind of like, it's so much harder to like, 
tell a story, right? So think about like the Bible, like who's going to contest the Bible? Who could back then, right? There was no yeah. social media, no internet, no nothing. So you just had to take it for what it was, you know? And it's same thing with other people who are talking about, let's say, Hitler at the time. If somebody tells you something, well, you got no other source. So you better listen to them. Otherwise, you know, where are you going? You know, and what else do you have to believe in? So I definitely do think there was a lot more power to your words back then, to your writings. Like you have Nietzsche, you have all these other people, mm -hmm. all these prominent philosophers, um, where it gets to a point where it's just like, well, he's the guy. Whereas today you have Jordan Peterson, you could pick from a whole host of people that are talking and writing books and whatnot. And so, whereas back then, I don't think you could have, you know, here's an issue with that too. And my head's exploding right now is there's, <laughs> and I love the devil's advocate because there's a devil's advocate to ev I, almost every Literally sentence everything. out of our mouth everything. that we've stated today. But when it comes to like individual people, it's another tribe thing. People will find their their individuals that they like so much and hang on every word and every belief that they have that they then form their beliefs around that individual and then fight for it on the internet. And they find a lot of other people to find yeah. common ground with. But instead of like, we always complain about, or at least I do, I won't speak for you, but I always complain about the two parties and the two-party system and, and how ridiculous it is at this point. But... At least on those, you know, like, all right, well, in Washington, it's one or the other, right? With all these, uh, now with this world and the internet and all these little sub-communities, the, the range of and spectrum of thought around certain thought leaders is tremendous. And what's bad is that, A, some of those thought leaders are not good people, and B, depending on who it is, right? And B, it creates way more tribes. And so it creates way more disdain. So people are more likely to find things that piss them off about being different with another person rather than finding the things that should make them happy about being the same. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the other issue, too, is there's not enough introspection. So, like, mm. dude, this all comes down to education and a willingness, right? It's so easy for me to sit here and say, oh, well, just hold yourself accountable. Start being introspective. Start reflecting and start looking in the mirror and start thinking to yourself, like, well, is there really that big of a difference? Is it, should you even look at something? Like, it's easy for me to sit here and say that because I have parents that are both together. I've had no major deaths in my family. And although when I was, you know, I was born and raised during the time my dad was in medical school, so my parents were on welfare and food stamps at the time. Now we don't, we're not poor. We're not, I'm not homeless and I'm not going to pretend like I am. Right. So I, it's easy for me to say, Hey, look in the fucking mirror. It starts with you. Right. And if everybody did that, as ideal as that sounds, if everybody did that, the world would be a different place. Right. So Martin Luther King Jr. says it perfectly, right? What did he say? He said, it's, not, uh, it's the, not the color of your skin, the content of your character. I totally butchered that, but something along those lines, right? I think that was it. That yeah. was it. The content of your Judge character. Judge people not by the... Yeah. Yep, there it is. Probably much more eloquent than the way I said it. He but, said it He said it beautifully. Oh, absolutely. And so that's it. That, that's literally fucking it, dude. But it's easy for me to look and say that when I haven't had to experience, for example, a lot of the things that some people may have right and so i'm not gonna i'm not going to sit here and be that guy and pretend like oh well you got to do this you got all i'm gonna say is just acknowledge the fact that if there was more introspection more acknowledgement that you have to hold yourself accountable period period dude it comes down to you whether you like it or not if everybody did that the world would be a different place 
I think your self-awareness on your environment is really important that you, you led with that and that's obviously like something you realize because a lot of people don't think about that. They have their beliefs and they're like, well, if I did it this way, fucking everyone can, right? right? And so the second part of it about that accountability, net – or I don't know if net's the word, but on on the surface, I completely agree with that and I don't think we have enough of it in society at all. I think there is way too much just – default to finger pointing and not putting some responsibility on your shoulders and figuring shit out for yourself. I think there's way too much of it. I also don't think the answer is far off the other end and saying, all right, personal responsibility on everything, which now it gets a little complicated. But the reason I say that is because there are so many different environments. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I get so whipped around my whole life. That's why I've been, you know, I, I talk about it on this podcast all the time. I, I've been somebody who's been left. I've been right. Like I've been all over the place and now I just am kind of pissed off. But, you know, you look at all these different problems that we have and it all stems from a different problem in the environment. It could be the kid who grew up in a broken home because his dad walked out when he was four years old and never came back. Think about yeah. how that affects your psychology the rest of your life and then the decisions you make with that and the abilities you have with whatever talents or abilities you have, right? The, the upside to use those things, I should say. Think about you know somebody who grows up completely on welfare and food stamps, never gets off it, right? Yep. Like you said at the beginning, obviously it was like that, but then eventually your dad was successful, which is great. But there's people who grow up in environments where there's no hope for that. Think about people who are, you know, you don't choose the environment you're born into. Yep. You're born into a really bad situation, could be a broken home, like I said, could be low welfare or whatever, and you have no good schooling. You have, And then you never get to find your talent and, and you're just a number on a page. No one gives a fuck about you at the end of the day and maybe yep. your parents really didn't want you. Like the things that happen and the abilities you have to be able to make good informed decisions on what you're going to do when you are say, I don't know, 25 years old coming out of an environment like that is very difficult. Yeah, And this is now the third podcast in the last five or six where this has come up, but – I think about this a lot when it comes to like criminal justice and, and looking at these things. So we've talked about it. I, I talked about it with Anthony Dapolito and then I talked about it with Miles Matthews extensively. You know, probably once a year, I will go down the little internet cyberspace of going on YouTube and watching sentencings or, you know, guilty verdicts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of the time, it will be somebody from a very poor background of all races all different all different environments but the one thing the environments had in common is that it was desperate right and i'll see kids 18 year olds 19 year olds who killed somebody and some judge is about to you know right after his lunch break sentence them to life in prison and yep. of course the victim's family I, I i'm like what do you even say to them i mean they they have every right to want to see this person fry but i think about well what got him there yep what led to that point they have to take responsibility for the fact that they I made that choice but what are all the things that fucked them i'm, to gonna, that I'm still gonna stick with lack of accountability let me put it this way imagine if instead of him going to jail it's his father who left right or if it's the person that should have played the better role right we have a response i love it i'm wow. so glad you brought this up i'm so glad Yo, you brought this that up. was wild <laughs> i'm so yeah. glad you brought this up dude because and i again i try to listen to both sides but i've been listening to Candace Owens a little bit. You know who Candace Owens is? I do. Okay, so I've been listening to her a little bit. 
And she only because she talks about that, because there's a side to this stuff that I will never, I'm not a young black man. I'm not, I'll never be a black man. I'll never be able to understand what it's like to live in a world as a black man. Right. So because of that, I tried to get some insight. Do you feel like she writes that off though? What do you mean? (sighs) I, and I don't mean to cut you off. I I just want, I want to ask about her specifically because she kind of pisses me off. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and what I, I will not. I talked about this with Terrence Jones on a podcast, like one of the first ones we did. And he had a great line, and I, I agree with this entirely. I will not attack her intellect. She's a very, very smart woman, and you know she's obviously made it for herself too. So I think that's great. I just think that while there are some things she says where it's like, yeah, even Louis Farrakhan says the same things, and they're talking about the same problems from different political angles, and it's like, okay, that's right. She also seems to really go hard the other way. And, and what I mean by that is... You know, when she sees something like a George Floyd situation or something like that, she doesn't want to see that, okay, we we have a problem here. And at the same time, I watch it and it's awkward for me because, A, I don't ever want to shut down opinions. And B, she's also like she's also a black woman. She has way more of an understanding, even if she's not a black male in that scenario, she has way more of an understanding than I do. Right. So it's like. I'm kind of stuck of like, well, how do I even go with that? I, I just feel like she goes so hard Towards one the right, way, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on stuff okay. that it's like she cherry picks things and, and it does piss me off because yeah. then I got to fucking say, well, no, I disagree with that. And then I'm disagreeing with a black woman talking about black issues. Know, and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fuck, yeah. man. Look, I, though my solution to that, just to answer your question, like my solution to that is I, I know a lot of people say this and I get heat for this whenever I bring it up. Um, but... I genuinely, like, I was, I'm so blessed to have grown up the way I grew up, where I was in the Bronx. I was the only white kid in the class. To then growing up, mm. I went to high school at Don Bosco Prep in Ramsey, New Jersey. I you was went probably, to Bosco? Yeah, yeah, I played football for a you little bit. You played football at Bosco? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some yeah. people, but l- let's stop it. Some people don't know how big a deal that is. That's like. Back then, yeah, yeah. That's like saying you, you played for fucking Alabama yeah. in, in, high, in, in the high school Alabama. Yeah, I, uh, I, I played my freshman year, and I think I also played my junior year. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was just a young kid that was edgy from the Bronx that was trying to, like, get after it, and, uh. My mom was like the best. She was just looking up high schools because I didn't want to go to the, the public school I was zoned for. Didn't have football, and they had like there was a type of school that had like um, like bars on the windows oh. and metal detectors and shit. Yeah, nice. while well, I was in the Bronx, so we were like they were looking for an opportunity to move out, and um, so yeah, so they found Bosco was like the best football program, and you know that's what she found online. I was like, okay, fuck it, I'll do that. <laughs> so I went to two of their camps, and then I went and I met Coach Toll and stuff like that. Yeah, he's um, gone now, right? He is gone. I think he's back at Bergen now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and I was, I was playing fullback for them, I think for my, my second year that I played, but my first year I was linebacker. Um, honestly, dude, I, I didn't handle the adversity well because I went from being like an all-star, like, in, you know, in my little town, whatever, to being nobody, you know, mm-hmm. like really nobody. And I, and I just was like, oh, well, fuck this. Like if I'm not starting, then, you know, A, am I even good or B, do they even think I'm, you know, do they see who they're, you know? And so just like a lot of like just high school teen shit, you know, it just gets in your head and I just like fell in and out of it. But the benefit was that I really fell in love with lifting. So like I'd be in the gym from like nine or maybe 8 p.m. to like three in the morning every day in high school, throughout mm-hmm. all of high school. And that just, you know, snowballed. So yeah, so I did play boss. I did play football at Bosco for a little bit. I swam for them for a year. Um, 
and then throughout high school i played equestrian polo as well so yeah 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 very uncommon thing that's why i threw it in there a bronx kid bro i know playing equestrian polo (laughs) i know know. yeah it's i got into it because i thought it was my shot at ivy at the time i did not of course you did yeah that's amazing yeah smart as shit yeah (laughs) oh he's a polo player you walk in like hey what the fuck is up (laughs) wait like i had the gold wait a second everything (laughs) hold on hold on a minute wait wait we i think we got you're in the wrong place son yeah (laughs) that's hilarious take that hat off yeah no it was it was it was an interesting uh adjustment we'll call it but uh you know it Again, that's why I'm blessed to have grown up the way I did, because I got to experience what one side's talking about, what the other side's talking mm-hmm. about. And uh, you really learn. It's like, bro, I hate to break it to you. You're all fucking animals. Like, we can yeah. all be pieces of shit. We can also all be the most amazing people in the world. And once you realize that, I swear, and I really do mean this, you don't see color, bro. You don't. You just don't. It's like, hey, man, like, what's going on? How are you? Or, hey, like, how can I help you with that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm into that, too. I'm telling you, man. The more you immerse yourself into that and the more you, the more you hold yourself accountable, the more aware you become of like, hey, whatever he's going through that caused him to not say hello to me today or whatever, that's not a race issue. That's not a he hates me issue. It, it, it's, it's strictly because he's got shit going on, yeah. just like I do, right? So going back to what you were saying about Candace Owens and stuff, like, first of all, 100%. Yeah, I'm sorry tell. I cut you off. We went on no, a tangent No, you're good. Now, you're but, good. Yeah. It, it's obvious for sure. I think two things. One, I think... She hates the left so much yeah. because it's it really is, to an extent, it is starting to... And again, this is definitely where opinions start to take place, but... It's okay. It's, it's definitely it's definitely holding back her people. It, it absolutely... That victim mindset is holds people back, period, no matter what color you are, no matter what. Like that, and that's what she's really fighting against, so that's number one. Number two... So you think the left... And I just want to define stuff here. Yeah, go for I'm, it. I'm not even go disagreeing. For it. You think the left is in the black community and in other communities too? I, I don't know if you said I, that I too. Think my but primary, like obviously their their push is minority communities. So I'm going to say minority communities in general. They push a victim victim mindset. mindset you're saying like where everybody's oppressed. There's in, everybody's out to get us. The world's out to get us. There's nothing you can do. You need to ask. You know, that's a victim mindset. I right? don't disagree with that. I I I think. Unfortunately, I think that's a very obvious point now. I it, think that's why the left is, has lost me. Um, I don't. I don't think the answer is to say "fuck it." Everyone, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, no matter who yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm not saying there's an excuse for the oppression right. if there is an oppression. Sure, I'm not sure. saying that excuses it. I am saying that if you do see yourself as a victim, completely. Yeah, if you yeah. see yourself as a victim, then that's a victim mindset. If, and that's going to hold you back. Yeah, if you see yourself completely as one and are. Con- we talked about repetition earlier. Yeah. Constantly, it's repeating yeah. in your face. I, I agree with you. I, I think that that has, like, you see so many politicians who have been there a fucking long time, of course. Like, that's another problem. But let's say some of the people who have been in Washington a long time who have, over history, pretty moderate voting stances who now are parroting yeah. crazy crazy fucking language that is in no way moderate yeah. you know and that that's that's where i start to go Ooh, you know yeah. and so candace is right about yeah. that in my opinion it's it's emanating from that side and yeah i i would agree her frustration comes from that and then what happens is it's like this giant it's like throwing gasoline on yes, the fire because then everyone who's pissed off at that yeah they go the other way and on that's it. dude that's the thing so i think it's twofold for her i think number one she genuinely is passionate about helping her community, about uh, just raising awareness in general. 
but I also think the other side of it is it is marketing, dude. Like, think about it. She's a businesswoman. She's yeah. got to make a fucking living. How is, what's going to get more views? Her bashing things on the left or her saying, oh, well, I guess they're kind of right about this. But, like, more imagine somebody connect. saying, like, yeah. I mean, and I hope nobody ever takes this out of context, but imagine, imagine Candace Owens saying George Floyd deserved to die. Like, imagine she said that, right? How many views is that going to get versus going along with what everybody else is saying, right? And so it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like... From a marketing perspective, it, it it's almost like, dude, I don't, you know, it, it almost makes sense as to why she would start to say stuff like that. So I completely agree with you. I think that there are some things that she's definitely way too extreme on. And I, I think, unfortunately, that's going to be the case with most people in those positions. Like, you can't, it goes back to what we were saying before, right? Like, you listen, but you don't just absorb everything and agree with everything they say, right? You start to pick certain things. For me, I don't, I genuinely do not know much. I honestly do. I don't even know much about my own fucking community, let alone, I mean, seriously. So it's, it's, it's different. Like I, because I don't know and I don't understand, I am not going to pretend like I do. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to be open. And so going back to what we were saying about how that 18 year old kid who's getting incarcerated she, I mean, she says it, I would love to fact check it. I mean, I'm sure she fact checks it, but, um, you know, one of the, the, the biggest reasons why you have crime, especially in black youth is because fatherless homes Yep. and our society, my, I mean, I was born out of wedlock. So my parents weren't, my parents weren't married when I was born. My mom got a check because of that. If she was not married to my dad, she got a check from the government. Once she got married to my dad, that check stopped coming in. So now we were rewarding having children and not being married. Now imagine you're poor right? You don't have consistent income. A check from the government, I mean, fuck, why wouldn't you take it? Why would you get married if you're getting paid? Yeah. So my point is, there are all these like, look, and I'm not a political expert. I do not at all pitch myself to be like, like that. So I'm sure there are things that I just don't understand. And maybe I'm totally off the mark. I acknowledge that. But from the little I do know, it does seem like we're we're blaming the wrong people. We're pointing the finger at the wrong person. The person who's truly at fault for an 18-year-old young man, young minority for murder Although it's a very heinous crime, heinous crime, the real person who has a fault is the father that left, or or the the teacher that told him he sucked at school and shouldn't and should stop trying. That's the accountability I'm talking about. If every single person held themselves accountable and pushed each other to be fucking better, that's it. We'd all be a, it'd be a different fucking world, man. I mean, for some reason, every successful person I listen to or I watch has some story where a teacher told them that they couldn't do it, or somebody told mm. them that they suck. I, I mean, I've had that with my coaches and stuff. But it's like, why? Like, we all agree that we shouldn't talk to people that way, that we should encourage people, we should encourage children, we should encourage oh, someone some to do a podcast. Right? Yeah. right. So it's like, so then where where are we going off the mall? And the reality is it's accountability. It's it's not it's the inability to look in the mirror and and it's a it's a and this is I think a, actually a very big problem with men in general. Um a, a lot of us I feel like, and I'm I'm definitely victim of this as well. I shouldn't say victim, but I, I do this as well sometimes, where we have our own insecurities. We have things that we're scared of, that we're, we feel incompetent about. So what do we do? We reflect that on other people, right? And so we take that out. I mean, the, the common verbiage is we take that out on other people, right? So if I'm upset with myself, sometimes I end up acting more mean, right, towards people in my family. And, I'm, and I catch myself. I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? Why would I say that? Right? She, my mom was just asking me how my day was. And I was just like, leave me alone. Like, don't worry about it. Why? Did she, what did you do to deserve that? That's on me, dude. So... That's me not checking myself, and I feel like a lot of us do that. Um, and, and it's again, I think that it, it really does come down to accountability. But that that requires a high high level of uh, humility 
And that's something that our, I mean, look at rap culture, look at our music culture in general. What are, what are we listening to? What's my generation listening to? What are, what's my sister's generation who's, you know, five, six years, you're me, what are they listening to? It's all rap. It's all, it, it's all stuff that's like sex, drugs, violence. Who's the, who's the baddest dog, and it's right? It's been that way for a long time. Too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Why? It's the cool thing. It's what you, I mean, it, and that's okay. But people are taking it too literally. I think it was actually Eminem who had a song like that. He was like, we rap about guns and violence and stuff, but the kids who listen think we actually do that. Like, that's not, that. this is to push records. This isn't a daily life. This isn't cool. This isn't what we want, you know? And so I think there's that miscommunication. So when you see Instagram and you have social media and all these rappers and Kylie Jenner, more, I mean, she's more fake than real right now, right? I mean, physically. So it's kind of like when you've got, I mean, she looks good. Okay. I love you, girl. I do, I do not stand by I brought what it up you just I said. It. I just want to let you know. like That's it, dude. She's I can't not, not going to be on your say. podcast. Like, we, we cool, boo. We she, cool. she looks like she's looking directly at the camera, too. It's, it's right. Dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking you on that one. Don't, <laughs> I will accept no smoke about Kylie in here, but continue. It's like, I, f- I really do feel bad for for a lot of people who uh, don't have the confidence um, to look within and to, to find, to see their own potential. Like, I feel like it's so easy to look at like celebrities, even Conor McGregor. Like I, I have a, dude, I have a, a, it's huge. It's gotta be your height. I mean, I'm a short dude, so I can't compare it to, compare it to myself, but it's your height. It's wide. It's a painting of Conor McGregor. It was a print. It's 250 bucks, right? I loved him, but he, I mean, if there's an epitome of like toxic masculinity, that's it. I mean, this guy talks shit 24-7, aggressive dude, has been in the news for a lot of bad things, lots of rumors about him cheating on his wife, tons of shit, right? And yet people idolize him, right? And there was a time when I did too. And so it's it's like that, you know? It's There's definitely a lot of pieces of that where I, I, I feel bad because it's who do you who do you look up to? And it goes back to our point before where it's like there's a problem, but nobody's offering the real guidance. I'm feeling like my wall is getting attacked here. <laughs> this, this is not this is not two people in like the last five minutes that suddenly it's like they're not great so kylie apologies connor apologies i'm, I'm gonna push back on on connor a little bit because i am a big connor mcgregor fan it sounds mm-hmm. like at least you're still somewhat of a fan but a couple things as far as like the girlfriend rumors go those are only like rumors i hope to god they're not true because that's like a beautiful thing she was there i have one. a story for you at some point but okay all right ahead. that's terrifying um <laughs> so don't do that but uh it, as like him as a person, first of all, some of it is definitely a marketing act. Like he's a great marketer. But one of the things I really do like about him, because we've been talking about accountability a lot, is that he is one of the most gracious people in victory and defeat I have ever seen in my life. The only person like he and Nergemendov, I never say his name right, <laughs> fucking hate each other. The there's, badass Russian dude. There's yeah. <laughs> and he's a great fighter. They fucking hate each other. No doubt about that. But other than him, like one of the best things I ever saw is when when he lost to Diaz, which he talks so much shit going into that fight. Again, great marketer. But he loses to Diaz in, in March twenty sixteen and everyone's expecting after the fight like him to like make excuses like oh you have egg on your face and he was just like he's a champion he fought a great fight i respect any man that goes in there he beat me fair and square i will not let this defeat me i will not shy away i will come back i'll rise up and i will beat him but he did a great job tonight yada 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 and you hear that and you hear the tone to which he says he says it very soft but resolute and like yeah he got me and then you see him do that after other fights you see him do it like when he beat cowboy cerrone and like 17 seconds last year 
immediately afterwards was like, hey, do not disrespect that guy. That guy's a legend. He came in here with me. I'll respect that forever. So I do see in he him. He beat him? I thought he lost. No, no, against Cowboy Cerrone. That was, that was beginning of 2020, uh, right before COVID. He beat him with the shoulder thing. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. You know, okay, where you Rogan starts yeah, describing yeah, yeah. like, and then he comes in with a double salt <laughs> shaker and then finishes <laughs> off with an Alabama cousin and then wraps him around on the roasted pepper finish. And like, none of us have any idea what yeah. he's saying, but you're just like, okay. It, it, he could be making shit up right yeah. now, but side issue. But anyway, yeah. So when, when he did that, like he was very gracious in it. So I do think in him, there are some stuff to look up into. And obviously, like I am a biased fan with it, but... Your point is well taken. There are not. I, I, what was the exact line? It was like there. There's a. There's a problem, and there's no good example. You said yeah, it way so better. So there's obviously a problem here, but nobody's offering real That's guidance. Yeah. yeah, and and so whether or not you look at him or you look at Kylie, you really got to look at who you're looking at in society Absolutely. too, and like who you're listening to. And we kind of talked about that earlier, but you know, a lot of people want in this social media society because that's really what we're getting at they want to be this yep. or that yep. because other people will love them for it yep. you even see it on a micro scale especially on tiktok i don't think there's any better example than that where people will try to find their one thing that's going to get them yep. the fame so, so one of the awkward things i'll go and look at is accounts that got really big when I was on TikTok with all the fucking 12-year-olds in 2019 that did one thing. Yep. It was something stupid, right? And then they kept – they had millions of views and then they – like, that's their thing. They got to keep doing it and eventually people get sick of it. Yep. And then it stops and they fade away. It's like a yep. sad thing to look because now they're lost, right? Yeah. They may have a million followers, but they get fucking 4,000 views. Yeah. And so I see all these kids now who recently there's been a kid who does like the face – have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Where, where he does that thing. <laughs> He's stuck as the face guy, man. Yeah. He's stuck as the weekend coming on on the song dropping and him being yeah. like, so call out my name like that. And yeah, then looking yeah, at yeah. the fucking camera. Like if he tries to do something different, it's some people pull it off, but it's hard. And a lot of that is like, do I think he woke up one day and said, I know my purpose in the world. Yeah. I'm going to make a stupid fucking plastic surgery looking face yeah. and everyone's going to love it. And that's what I'll do for the rest of my life. No. But now he's stuck in it because that's what other people want from him. And so yeah. when we look at people in – and I'm not ripping that kid. Like, good for him. But when we look at people in society, you know, we we look at the one, two, or three things that separate them and say, that's exactly what I need to do or find my version of it. And then everyone else will love me. And then you know what? That's it. And we don't consider, well, what's the context of them doing – this is complicated to speak out loud. But what what's the context of them doing that thing or – being that way what does that mean for the example they set for their following or right. followers you know what does it mean for society itself what is positive and what is negative yeah yeah i mean i definitely agree with that i i struggle with this a lot man it, it's i really struggle with this a lot actually and it wasn't until recently that i found a, a, a i don't want to say an answer but certainly like a, a at least a piece of an answer to this problem where it's like not only who do you look up to, but um, why are you looking up to them? And then what do you do with that information, right? Some of these people are so glamorous, so big, or at least appearingly to us, that it's almost like, oh, I could never even think about that. So even if you look up to someone, it's like, is that going to make you more depressed and more down and out? Or is that going to mm. actually inspire you, right? My answer to that recently has been, how about this? 
twofold. One, take pieces of the people that I really like. For example, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a champion, became a governor, whatever. Boom, I like those pieces. I don't necessarily like how he cheated on his wife, had a baby, and didn't show up to his own. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that. I'm going to leave that stuff aside. I don't want that. Good for you. Conor McGregor, champion, grind ethic, came from welfare checks with a girlfriend, right, from Ireland. He's still with her. I mean, the, the dude is undoubtedly one of the greatest athletes, right? We yeah. can't even we can't even argue that. No doubt. So that's a piece that I'm going to take with me, right? His party lifestyle, how he treats competitors for the marketing stuff outside of the ring. Maybe that's stuff I'm going to leave aside, right? Basically, what I'm getting to is you start to pick pieces of the people that you look up to and say, and you form almost like this perfect person. And that perfect person becomes yourself. It's your future self. Now, all the decisions I make or you make are in the best interest of your future self. Jordan Peterson actually talks about this as well. So Matthew the idea McConaughey is that, talks about it too. Does he really? <laughs> Who's your hero? You know who my hero. You ever hear that speech? I have, and I I debate every day, dude. When I see that, I'm like, did he did he script this or did he really come up with my, this on the fly? No, Gavin, <laughs> my hero. Let's see it. My hero is your me. Hero. Ten, for all, ten years, forever. it's me. Ten years from now, oh and ten God. years from now, my hero is gonna be me. Ten years from now, <laughs> that's a really good and, impression. And like, but when you think about He's been it, practicing that, I, I do. I I don't think my McConaughey's that good, but I thank you though. But I I, I do agree with him. So it's interesting yeah. you bring him up as an example because he's. I feel like that is setting it more insular. Like, okay, instead of comparing myself to everyone else, let's compare myself to myself and where I'm at. Absolutely. That's and that's a that's a healthy mindset to have. I don't like the people that say like, "Oh, like, look, there's a place for self-love, for sure, but you're not going to grow if you, all you do is love yourself." And part of loving yourself is knowing when to call yourself out on your bullshit, right? How do you do that? You have to have something to compare it to. That's the whole like, look in the mirror. You're comparing yourself to yourself, right? Can you go back to the self-love thing though? Go for it. So what what do you what do you mean by you can't have I almost like missed what you said there. So that's my bad. But you you said something like you can't just love yourself? Well, I think what I was saying was self-love, like you can't grow if all you do is love yourself. Because I think a that's narcissism. That's, right. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like look, if you can't call yourself out on your shit, right? Okay. You're not going to yeah. be able to grow because you're not going to see the opportunities to grow. You're not going to see where your faults are, right? But then again, it does kind of come down to the question of like, what's what does it mean to love yourself, right? Because to me, like if I love somebody, that doesn't mean like 110% support all the time. Oh, you're doing meth? Great. You know, it's like, hey, hold on a second. I love you. I care about you. Stop doing drugs. That's love, right? So if we're thinking of love in that context, then yes, you can, I think you can grow because you love yourself, Right. But I think in the context that a lot of people are pushing it, the agenda is like self-love in the sense of, so what, you're unhealthy. So what, you're obese. So what, you're whatever. And to me, it's like, uh, no, not not the case at all. You know, very unhealthy way to think. And um, and nobody, everybody's afraid to offend everybody now and lose friends and shit. So nobody's going to hold each other accountable. Like if I said to you, I was like, look, man, you have a great podcast and stuff, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wish the table felt a little different, right? Like- that's now going to incur you to say, you know, oh, you know what, is the table, should it be, you know, that's going to force you to question it. Whereas otherwise, if you were able to do that and reflect on yourself, now all of a sudden you set yourself up in a better position to, let's say, improve the podcast, right? And so I think there are things like that where I think there's room for self-love, but at the same time, it depends on what, like how you're defining it. 
By the way, I love the table. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was, I was really, I was starting to question the table <laughs> I wonder, a little bit. I was <laughs> let's make sure we worried. put that out there. <laughs> I do. I wipe this down every time dude, before a, a guest comes in. Oh, dude, I, I sit here like my 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 face is right down. Yeah. Down <laughs> Sometimes surface. you lick it. Just I'm, I'm, I'm literally. I, I check it. I check for the dust and everything. I want to look perfect when you come in. So, anyway, table aside. There's a quote I've heard a ton of times in my life that drives me fucking nuts where people say, I have no regrets because everything I did made me the person I am today. Mm. If you say it in the right context, it can be an okay quote, but very few people who say that quote ever have because what it ends up being is people are already excusing ahead of time things they're going to do wrong because it's going to make them the person they are afterwards yeah. or whatever. And they're not looking at it from the sense of like, okay, I don't regret anything because it made me where I am now, where I'm now self-aware. Right. There's a huge fine line there, yeah. you know? And yeah. so I think when, when, when you're talking about like this whole concept of, of people not taking self-love too far, it's a very similar wavelength because you take it to the point where like, as an example, do I think that it was – it goes right back to zero to 100 point, by the way. Do I think it was healthy for society to tell all women to be fucking stick figures and if you're not, like, oh, you don't belong here? No, not at all. Do I think it's healthy for society to put very obese women on ads though and tell them, oh, this is perfectly normal. This is fine. No, I do not. I think, once again, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. But what we do now is we discourage anyone from like – working hard to you know look great or f more importantly feel great like yeah. your health drives everything you do yeah i certain damn well now don't take that for for you know for granted or anything and it's yeah. like if, if you can't feel good you can't perform if you can't perform you can't get results if you can't resu get results you're not going to be happy and if you're not yeah. going to be happy what the fuck is the it's point it's a loop yeah. yeah yeah i think i think for i mean like i don't know too much about the agenda itself but from what i've heard um, from what I see people talk about, I think it's more so, it's not so much shaming people who put in the work and try to be healthy. It's more so alleviating any shame for people who don't put in the work, right? Which, I like that. again, to me, still a problem. I'm a little bit more um, hardcore when it comes to this stuff, but that's just because of my natural mindset when it comes to athletics and competing and stuff like that and even my business like if you're gonna do it go all the way man like you have the potential to be on the fucking moon just like everybody does everybody has the potential it's infinite potential so why not you know why not push yourself but at the, that aside that's where i'm coming from so i have a bias but i genuinely think that anything that convinces you to excuse unhealthy habits uh no not good for you whatsoever not even close like, oh, yeah, you had a tough day. You know, like, it's like saying, yeah, you know, you had a tough day. Go ahead and rip a pack of cigarettes. Like, yeah, you deserve it. Like, come on, dog. Like, who's that helping? You know, mm -hmm. so it's it's one of those situations where I think that I, I understand where it's coming from. And you hit it on the head where it's the other extreme of what society has been, like, expecting, so to speak, or buying into, like, that sex appeal stuff. But then again, look at OnlyFans. Look at Tinder. Look at all these. I mean, we still have it. It's like we still, it's like we're shaming that, but at the same time, we're like, yeah, 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 but, but, but push it, push it, push it, because that's what sells. Kylie Jenner is a great example, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's it's really, it's really twisted. And it's, it's, um, who gets the likes? Who's yeah. on the For You page on yeah. TikTok? Yeah. It's very true, and it's very sad. And that's actually John. I was talking to John the other day, and he has a, Johnny good, a good friend of his, Ivana. Uh, I think her TikTok is Ivana.get.fit. 
She's really into what she does. She's kind of like a Fitchick vibe. Um, and she talks about that too. And, you know, and hopefully she doesn't get mad, mad at me for saying this, but she, she trains hard. Like she works hard, but she says it herself. She's like the stuff that gets the views and the likes are the, you know, me, like it's, it's like that sex appeal stuff. It's me posting ass pics and stuff like that on Instagram. Like that is the reality of it. And she'll throw in the videos. And she's actually said this in one of her stories when people ask her the question, like, Hey, so why don't you post any training videos? And she's like, well, when I do, you guys don't engage. Like she said it blatantly. She's a hundred percent correct. It's true. So it's like, dude, you can't fucking like, it goes beyond like knowing your worth and self-love. It's like, look, man, I hate to say it, but like, you can't, because both are right. You can't say, Hey, society should stop sexualizing women should stop putting all that stuff out there hundred percent. But at the same time, you know, if that's what we are creating and then responding to, it's like, dude, we're just feeding the cycle, you know, hundred percent. And that's by the way that, I mean, who's consuming that content? Mostly men. Right. So that's on us. I'll, I'll call it out completely. That's the content I engage with on TikTok. <laughs> like if you got nice tits, like your boy's stopping the finger yeah. and you're watching that video, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> And it's, yeah. That, yeah most, most guys are going to think the same way, 100%. That is unfortunately what it is. I, I think the best symbol, and there's a lot of great symbols of it, but maybe the best symbol like trend of that was the one, there was the voiceover like, hey, everyone, you want to see something cool? And a girl would just walk up to the camera and then like walk back and like show her tits and ass and say, oh, yeah. that's it, everyone. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and that's the truth because those videos always yeah. trended because it's funny because it's also literal like we're making yeah. fun of ourselves but that's what it is like those are the i'm a red-blooded male like those are the videos i i do enjoy watching that what i really empathize with and i think it's what drives this whole overextending of the quote-unquote self-love movement is i can't imagine i can't even imagine being a, a a girl or a woman in today's society can't imagine it i think it's yeah. pretty hard for men to be honest with you because yeah. there's there's still a lot of that competition too but it's a whole different level for women because that yeah. competitive nature when you see that all the time i can't imagine being a girl going through my tiktok feed and seeing everything yeah. that i'm supposedly competing against to get the attention of men and then telling myself all the reasons why i'm not that and i I think about that all yeah. the time and I have such an empathy for it. And so I think that's, again, everything's, it's like, and I haven't said this yet today. I don't know how I haven't said this, but I talk about this a lot. The law of physics is that for every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction. And unfortunately, it ties down to everything. And unfortunately, it's that eye for an eye thing and it's not good. So yeah. I don't in, I don't think it's good to put 400 pound women on the front of magazines and say, yeah. this is what we want. Right. Well, no, you don't. Yeah. But I also don't think it's great to that. And again, I'm a part of the problem because I do enjoy it. But, it, you know, I don't think it's great to reinforce the fact that if you have great tits, shake them. And if you have a great ass, fucking twerk. I think the beautiful thing about and this is the beautiful thing about America. And I speak as somebody who has, uh, you know, a girlfriend in physical therapy school, which is pretty intense. She's working nonstop. And, uh, and a younger sister who loves America loves politics, loves history, wants to study neuroscience. Mm. Uh, she's going into college now. Um, you have a choice. Like you get to choose. Yeah. You know? So yes and no. I totally understand the where you're coming from with, you know, like I, I 
I, I wonder how difficult it would be to grow up as a female. And we'll, that's something we'll never get to understand. What I will say, though, is you do get to choose. And you do also, you don't get to choose how people perceive you. You get to choose how you perceive you. So if you're cool and comfortable with perceiving yourself as somebody who would have an OnlyFans, and that's fine. Like, do your thing. I'm mm -hmm. not judging whatsoever. Totally fine. If you're comfortable with that, cool. Do it. No problem. If you're uncomfortable with it, don't do it. Instead, go study whatever it is that you want to study. Go go learn and pick mm. up. And I mean, I think it's Kevin, you know, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank? Yeah. He specifically says his female CEOs perform better than his male CEOs, the companies that he invests in. He says it time and time again. And why? Because, and Jordan Peterson also touches on this, women are more agreeable. So it makes sense. So now, and, and then when we're wait, really, wait, wait, wait. yeah, go ahead. I, I know he does say that. And that's a whole separate issue. But what does that have to do with O'Leary having female CEOs that perform better? Because I have heard him say that. Well, my, my point I'm getting to is that your only option isn't OnlyFans, isn't sex appeal, isn't shaking your tits and, and your ass is like what you said. Right, like, I think the you agreeable have, thing. That's well, where I'm a little bit... Oh, the agreeableness I was saying was more so that just to prove that women can perform better in business, in whatever industry that they want to do. Okay. Like the, the statistics are there. Okay. So okay. I was saying that women per, have, according to Kevin O'Leary perform better in the CEO position, right? Or running his companies, right? And I was saying to support that, he attributes attributes it to agreeableness, which is what Jordan Peterson talks about. Just to, to follow that through. Got it. So the agreeableness okay. supplies a reason as to why women, women would perform better in like, you know, business settings or CEO or owner of a company or something like that. And then that in, its, in and of itself would support the fact that you don't have to do you know, only fans or, or whatever. Well, and this ties back to what we talked about early on in the episode where we're talking about like biological drives yeah. and, and roles. And what I worry about with leaning into that is that you then take away possibilities that do and should, and unfortunately didn't always exist for women that, that exist now. Right. So for example, it's, it is very possible for a woman to be a little girl now and say like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be the CEO of Exxon Mobil or the CEO of Apple or whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah Cause guess 100%. what? They can. Absolutely. And that wasn't the case 40 years ago. So that's nice progress. But again, when, if a woman chooses to go do something like that, you know, there's also aspects of where you go quote unquote against the gender role, right? Like, Oh, the mother raising the kids and whatever, like you're going to go outside. That I don't think that exists anymore, dude. I'm almost I, surprised to hear you say that. I think it's I think it's starting to dissolve. And what do you think of that? Like the I'm fact glad, that yeah, it's dissolving. Yeah, I'm glad I'm you cool. brought that dude, up. I don't care. I mean, dude, okay. look, I'm gonna be honest. I, I hate washing the dishes. I hate take but everybody's got responsibilities. Yep. I, I want and I say this to my girlfriend, and you know, if, if we end up together or if we don't, wherever she ends up, I want her to be strong, independent, yep. and feel like she can depend on herself. Right. I think the problem with that old school traditional mentality was like, well, women technically were dependent on the men to bring the bread home. Right. Yep. There's a problem with that, like a big problem. All right. Now I'm going to turn this on you then. Go for it. The, I'm going to go in a different direction than we were going to go because this is more interesting. Yeah. Because earlier you talked about like the loss of masculinity yep. and the loss of the role for the for the man to be able to take what you're saying. Right. And I didn't disagree with that at all. I think we do have some problems with that. But. 
a lot of times like someone like you will say something like that and get put in the box of like oh this is what he must think about quote unquote oh, yeah, gender no, roles no, not at and it's all. very clear that you are you're in the box that I'm in which is like do whatever the fuck do you want do whatever the fuck do what you want yeah, so passion. how do we balance that that's my oh, question absolutely so yeah. so when i say that there are these sex differences right really what i'm talking about is I, I don't think that there should be any sort of expectation of what a male and a female should do or can do with their life. Mm. So therefore, again, it comes down to accountability. Who are you? Who are you? Who do you choose to be? And how do you? How what what's your what are your choices that you're going to use to to benefit society? Right. Again, I'm totally totally for women choosing whatever. And in fact, like I said, I think that they can perform better in many aspects yeah. than men can, and vice versa. And I'm also totally cool. If, if a guy wants to step up and say, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to clean this house like nobody's ever fucking cleaned this house. Cool, bro. Like, do it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. What I don't want to see is people shaming men for being, let's say, the go-getters, the aggressive, the yeah. hustlers. That Like, okay, so what? I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to, like, it, let me put, if I have to compete against a woman for a job, great. Like, let's, let's fucking do it. May the best of us take it, right? Same thing. Like, and, and that's. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't believe really in the gender role situation whatsoever. What I do think, though, is that historically, I think women are better at being like being at home, taking care of children, and that's just because of again, like what I believe to be true is the sex differences from innate biological stuff, right? Whereas men are better at going to work or setting up a shop, being entrepreneurs, and 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 again, I, I do think that that does it's kind of like a scapegoat. So I hate to say it, but I really do think it comes down to like the sex differences, but that's not to say that a woman isn't, a woman isn't capable of doing what a man does. And a man isn't capable of doing, you know, what a woman does. All right. Great context, great context, because now I, I see exactly where you are across the board. And, and it's very, I, I think I'm in line with every single thing you've said on, on the topic. It comes back to, causing the other problem though when you do think that so i how do i say this in english this is really hard to concept and, and bring it out and i don't want to explain it wrong i think that we should live in a world where every single thing you just said should absolutely exist and people women and men should have the freedom of choice to be who what and how they want to be completely yep. i also think that we shouldn't shame the two genders into maybe falling back into a little bit of more traditional roles Boom. that they have. You shouldn't, you said it, I'm going right. to stop you. You shouldn't yeah. shame people for wanting to do the traditional. Right. And I, and I think you touched on that too. So we'll hundred percent with you there. I worry about when we take that too far and then start trying to legislate from the other side and start, shifting the roles on their heads i mean i i think about this intersectionality curve all the time because i'm at the top of it i'm a and, and you are too yeah. <laughs> i'm a white male right so guess what we we got we got nothing nothing to talk about and and nothing to be able to say like well there's somebody more powerful than us yeah but <clears throat> what it does is it creates these tribal factions where you're constantly looking for the lower version and so as an example now, you see and, – and it comes back to it. Like I feel like people rag on the trans community so much and that's bullshit. What's not bullshit is when they say where things are like taken too far. And we touched on earlier like you know, 
male to female transgenders competing in women's sports. Like, yeah. that should not be something that you can't argue against and say, well, hold on a fucking minute. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, like, in general, like, just kind of writing it off. The problem is you now see it, like, in that context, like, some women come out and speak out, like, against, wait, I don't want someone that was formerly yep. a guy competing in my sports, which... Not only do they have every right to say, I will fight that battle with them because I agree with them, yeah. right? And I think I'm backed by science on that. <clears throat> we are seeing some of those women, quote unquote, get shut down or canceled now yep. because they are higher on that intersectionality curve. Correct. And what worries me is that we've seen like ideologies take control of it and then define entire ideologies by it that, to the point that it's like – you create people who then disagree with it and get pushed farther and farther to the opposite end that we have now created. Like, I see them on the internet. We've now created a lot of people who want to go back to fucking 1900 where yeah. women can't vote and this was better when it was a man's society. Like, that's not the answer, right? Yeah. I just worry about the ability to even get that, like, common ground of like, hey, everyone just do what the fuck they want to do. Yeah. Just don't – like – if we're going to draw lines, draw it at things like – and not to pick on them. I'm just using that as the most ridiculous over-the-top example. Draw it on the lines of not letting a former male compete in a female sport, right? right. Like it's simple shit. Yeah. No, dude, I completely agree. I also think that it's just – I think Joe Rogan said this on one of his podcasts that there was like a historian who said nearing the end of every civilized society was argumentation over gender. Douglas Murray. Was that it who it was? Yeah. So and it, and it makes sense because it's kind of like, look, man, that means that things. And I I say this, take this with a grain of salt. It means that things are easy enough for us to worry about it, mm. right? Again, sex differences. Why is it that men were the ones to go to war and women were the ones to stay home and take care of the children or raise the children? It happened naturally. Why was that? There are sex differences there. Why is it that in sports it is unfair for a trans woman to compete against uh, women who aren't trans? Because there are sex differences that, as you noted earlier, as of right now, we cannot manipulate and control to the extent that we sh you know, we would want to. Yep. It, it definitely – and it's, it's unfortunate because I think – and I, I guess the word that we're skating around here is like the privilege idea. Yep. Uh, and I'll just, I mean, I'll just take it as far as white privilege, right? If, if you have it, it it's like, I'll, I, the, the best way I can do this, I can, do you think it exists? Great question. Um, I'm on the edge. I am not, of course, as a, as a 23 year old white male, I'm going to say no, but it's easy for me. Again, it goes back. To, it's easy for me to say no when I am in the epitome of what would be white privilege, right? Yep. I am a, I believe in opportunity. I am a pure opportunist. I don't I don't believe in socialism. I don't believe in communism. I don't believe in handouts, none of it. I really don't. Um I believe in give someone the opportunity to work to 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 use their talents. If they choose to, awesome. If not, that's that's not my problem, yeah. right? So because of that, you know, I, I I the problem is I know too many people, friends of mine, successful Black men who are strong motherfuckers, who get it done day in, day out, way better than I do it. Straight up. Ashton Ruska is one of them. He's a, an elite level powerlifter, probably one of the best to ever do it right now. He's about our age, and it's insane. And he's, he serves in the military. On top of serving in the military, he's one of the greatest athletes in our sport. It's insane when you look at that and you think, well, hold on a second. Is it, is it, was he held back? Was he, 
I think regardless mm -hmm. of what the circumstances are, he saw opportunity. And I don't want to speak for him because I don't know what his views are. Yeah, yeah. He saw opportunity regardless of circumstance, regardless of all, he made it happen and he's doing it better than most. So the point that I'm trying to make is I try and I, I'm not saying that I want to dodge the bullet in any way, but I, I, I really don't, I don't see a lot of that. I don't really see the, the I, I guess I could understand it in the sense of like, like a wall street case or any of like the, the old traditional power structures that we have. Sure. I could, I could see the argument. Unfortunately, in my space, I don't see it. Like I'm struggling to get my, I, I can't say struggling, but it's not easy to get a business off the ground when you're starting from nothing. Right. Yep. That's what I'm doing. And you're doing the same thing and nothing. And when I think of privilege, I think of like things being handed to you because you have the privilege there. I don't, I don't really feel like I'm experiencing that. And I, and I know a lot of people who at the same token, it, it, they agree. It's really just opportunity. And I think the problem is it gets misconstrued, misconstrued and it, it's funny because a lot of the people who I think push the white privilege thing um, are people who are very wealthy and very white. And so it's, it's like, who the, f how the fuck do you know? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, look, yeah. at the end of the day, this is America, man. You create opportunity. And, and at the end of the day, like, I hate to break it to you, but not everybody's going to like you. Not, and a lot of people don't like me. And so it's your job to not give a fuck. Like, that's the beauty of America. You can keep going. You can push. You can find the people that think like you. Find the people that you can connect to. And actually, even better than that, find the people that disagree with you, but yet you guys find a way to keep going. Because that's what, that's what cultivates the true change and in innovation, right? You can't do that if you're constantly thinking like, he has a one-up, he has an advantage over me. Again, it goes back to that victim mindset. So I have to tell myself, look, if it exists, if it doesn't, if it doesn't exist, it doesn't matter. My job is to create opportunity, take advantage of opportunity, and help other people achieve opportunity. And again, I, I genuinely only care about the content of somebody's character. That's how I was raised. Um, and again, I'm very blessed to have grown up the way I grew up. I grew up so it's easy for me to think like that. Um, but yeah, but do you think white privilege is a, is a big issue today? Do you think that that's something that you have that your parents have? Like, where, where are you at with that? See, when I answer this question, I have to answer it very, very carefully because everything will get taken out of context and I'll be labeled in a box. And this is something, this is just a problem I run into all the time. And it's why people on the right get pissed at me and people at the left get pissed at me. But I find the gray area on stuff where it isn't black and white, like we talked about earlier, where it isn't like, oh, you killed somebody, right? Like wrong, obviously. Um, I believe that by the definition of it, it Which does, is what? What, 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 do you, what do you see as a definition? Exactly. My point exactly. I believe by the, what should be the definition, like the word privilege, and I'm not reading from the Webster's Merriam, whatever the fuck dictionary right now. The word privilege should mean that you have some sort of advantage that inherently is right. baked in that another person doesn't. Yeah. I think when you say the words white privilege on the surface and then add context to it and say by math, what is the most common race in America? It is still white. It, it has been going down, which I think yeah. for the long term is actually like a, like a good thing that we're getting more diverse. Great. But, you know, we're still, last I checked, it was like 65% of society yeah. is white. So there's, you are more likely to run into someone who looks like you and therefore has your experience than the other people who are in the 35%. Sure. So by that metric... And then adding to it that, yes, do I think there are clearly in some environments some baked-in prejudices that even people – I'm not saying like people are racist, but yeah. do people have some inherent things that they don't realize they have? For sure. Absolutely. So, yes, 
I think it exists. The problem is I think the term has been bastardized out of control yeah. to exist to – you talk about the victim mindset – to exist to a level that is beyond ridiculous, that is yeah. not the truth. So like I use – the best example is like the whole argument socially that happened last summer in light of George Floyd and all that. Do I think that all cops are pigs? Absolutely not. Do I think that all cops are great? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, the two levels of society that got attention and were fighting are the two who feel those two ways. Right. And so you don't have any nuance to be able to say, okay, well, yeah. you know, like anything else, there are some bad cops. Like yeah. anything else, sometimes they get covered up for. But guess what? There's a lot of great ones too. Guess what? There's a lot of guys who get into that work and don't get paid a fuck ton of money either, by the way, right? Who technically risk their life going out there, who are legitimately trying to protect society. Saying that opinion I just said out loud was not a popular thing to say last summer because both sides yell at you and say, fuck you, yeah. because you don't see it completely their way. So I feel the same yeah. way, the same way when I talk about white privilege because it's used as a weapon. And it's, look, it's easy for two white guys like you and me to sit in here and say this and have a nice fucking critical thinking discussion exactly. and be like oh you know like uh, let, let's rip a joint and talk about it it's, it's easy to do that so like that's why i want to have that perspective and like i've had i've had black guys in here i'm going to continue to do that i've had asian guys in here i've had people of all different races in here the one thing i'm finally having another woman in here i was oh for seven there seven canceled <laughs> on me so it's been a fucking cock fest recently but that's starting to change so we'll, we'll get there but you know like i even feel funny talking about it just like you and me going off about yeah. women versus men all the time i think it's great if there were, had been more women on the podcast so everything is like a grain of salt and it has the context of like you have to be self-aware of where you sit so i am self-aware of the fact that i am a white male and there yeah. there are some baked in things that have probably helped me a little bit i just don't think the problem is like yo we're the most racist country on on planet earth yeah absolutely fucking not I will shut down that. I don't give a fuck who tells me that argument, what background you come from or whatever. Do I think that we have some racism problems in this country? Absolutely. Would I like to see it all eliminated? Absolutely. Am I going to do whatever I got to do to help that process of being eliminated? Absolutely. If I can use this podcast to do that, I'm going to do it. But am I going to sit here and allow people to say that when there's fucking genocide that happens in this world based right. on race? I'd also like to point out, too, that I think my biggest – you brought up to light and you gave me some ideas here that I think the bigger issue that I have with the statement white privilege is the white part. Of course, naturally. Here's the thing. A lot Why? of people have a lot of privileges, but privilege by itself – Fine. There's a lot of things that we grew up. Oh we get. shit! Yeah, it's the keep white going. part, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell you right now. I just went to Texas, yep. right? We went through all of the homeless people there, all of them that we found on the street. Maybe this was just by chance. We're white. Most of them, by the way, were my age. I promise you that when you look at the statistics, there are more impoverished white communities, white families, white. It has to be because we have more white people. That, and that's right? and 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 I want to be careful too because I I understand what you're saying. Of course it's going to be that way because we have statistically right. more. Same way that technically – I don't remember the numbers, but there were there were technically like the same amount of white people killed by police as black people. But uh, yeah, but yeah. but then then when you put it in context, the ratio of a black person yeah, being yeah, killed yeah. by a cop to a white person is actually yeah. like three to one. So and, you and see I'm the not, problem. And I'm not trying to at all 
excuse no, or justify any side. And I'm not at all trying to deteriorate the value of what the black and minority communities are yep. going through. Yep. Not at all. I want to make that perfectly clear. Yep. All I'm trying to say is that by saying white privilege, you are assuming that all white people have privilege. I have a, I'm going to say it right now. I have a privilege now at this point in my life. I, unless something goes drastically wrong with my father, my dad's a surgeon. So he worked his ass off to go through medical school, whatever, long story mm -hmm. short, now he's a surgeon, he has his practices. Yeah. Unless something goes drastically wrong, I will not be homeless. If I fail with my business, I'm going right back to mom and dad's house and I'm, I'm, I can at least eat, right? Mm -hmm. That's privilege. I get that, right? My, my parents made choices to create that for me. My parents grew up without the privileges. There are families, white families, who don't grow up with that privilege and who also don't have that privilege currently. I personally know these people who are actually, their business means a lot to them. I know kids who didn't get to go to college because they didn't have the privilege of going to college, of having somebody pay. I, I didn't pay for college myself. My parents did, right? I went to Manhattan College on a presidential scholarship, then transferred to Colgate. Manhattan College on a presidential was 10 grand a year. Not horrible. Colgate's 70. 70 fucking thousand dollars. I did not, look, I didn't pay a fucking dime. My parents paid that straight up. So that's a privilege. I got the privilege of going to school. I happen to be white. There are a lot of people who aren't white, who also have privilege. By the way, the Kardashians are one of them, I would assume. So the reality is like you're looking at, you're looking at a lot of, of cases where we, we, we blanket statement one race, and that in and of itself makes it a racing, and that's where I have a problem. I am totally fine with somebody saying, hey, Gav, you have privilege. I have a problem when they say, hey, Gav, you have privilege because you're white. It's like, no, 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 let's just... Ignore the race, ignore the color of my skin. Let's just acknowledge the fact that my parents now have money, therefore I have money that I can use to, to suffice to survive, right? Now, I'm not driving fancy cars and, and all that shit, but again, I'm not homeless, dude. I'm not suffering the way a lot of other families are. Can I add to your point here Go too? For and this is a problem I have with that whole conversation. When you create this language and create this barrier where it's white is all powerful and that is and therefore black is only extremely oppressed you create the complete generalization that in this case with this example all black people are poor which is not fair because it's, it's also true. not true you had a black president who's one of the most successful people to exactly ever live. they have there are plenty of examples now in society, and you couldn't have said this and, 70 years ago. But, but you know now, what? I, and I, you know what? I think what sucks is that it took until now for those types of people to get recognized. Like, what do you I'm, mean? I'm happy that we have a lot of the movements we have now because you have things like the BET Awards, right? And things where it's we have now a focus on, on, on successful people in black culture. You're not going to get that 100 years ago, dude. Like, that's not going to happen, yeah, right? Yeah. So because of these movements, we have a lot of fantastic shit. I mean, I love the Black Panther movie. I hate to say it, but there's no way that would have gotten the press it would have got, it would have gotten if we didn't have the awareness and the movements that we have now, right? We're more open to it now yeah. because of everything. So for that, I'm entirely grateful. The only thing that I hate is when people try to divide based on race because that perpetuates the problem. Instead of Instead of saying white privilege, you just say, privilege period and yeah. because the majority of us are in the, in the country are white like you said are white unfortunately that means the majority who are privileged are going to be white and that's that's just a fact like we, we can sit there with that but what i want to say to the people listening to the podcast right now like and this is something that this is a heavy podcast this is yeah this is a heavy one i i genuinely believe this to my core i don't give a fuck what color you are what what gender you, i don't care about anything right 
at the end of the day, if you see yourself as somebody who is oppressed, as somebody who is a victim, I promise you that's only going to hold you back. And the reality of it is, if you allow yourself to feed into that and feed into that and give into that, I promise you, you will have nothing but a, a negative mindset moving forward. I promise you, if you pull yourself out, if you recognize the power is within, that's the beauty of this country. That's the beauty. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's 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 going to be harder for for one person than it is like 100% and everybody's gonna have different experiences, right? And I'm gonna be straight with you. I wish I could tell you, I wish I could guarantee you that this color of your skin wouldn't play a factor in your success. I wish I could, but I do not know that answer. Yeah. And I certainly can't speak on behalf of anybody that's not white, right? Or anybody yeah. that's not a, a white male. Yeah. So I'm not gonna pretend that that it's gonna be just as easy as it was for, for me. You know, I'm not gonna say any of that. What I am gonna tell you though is I can guarantee you, and I know this because of powerlifting, I know this because of my training that I've been training for over 10 years in multiple different sports. You will not grow if you do not suffer, if you do not endure, if you do not take advantage of opportunity. You cannot do that if you see yourself as somebody who's not capable. If I sit here and think, oh, man, you know, I, I'm not Ashton Ruska, man. I don't have the genetics, or I'm not so and so. I'm just, I'm, I'm five foot four, dude. I'm five foot four. There's like, there are beasts. I mean, Half Thor Bjornsson, the guy who's sponsored by Rain Energy Drinks, the dude's like 6'7". I'm not that guy. Oh, man, how could I ever accomplish what he accomplished? No way. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's, he's a beautiful human, man. I mean, he's got long hair. He's got that accent. I could never do that. You think that's going to get me anywhere? No fucking way. So I have only one option. That's to believe in myself. You can't depend on other people to do that for you. And if you can do it, I promise you, you will see so much more success the privileges, the disadvantage, all of it goes out the fucking window because guess what? It doesn't matter. It really you're in control. You're in control of yourself and your decisions and your actions. So when you take, when you're when you hold yourself accountable and you take action, you can create that change no matter what the privileges or or advantages or disadvantages there are that exist in your life. I think that's a really powerful thing. I think I think a lot of people who who grew up in our time that are our age, I think it's really difficult for people to grasp that. That mm. you are in fucking control. Like the whole privilege thing, why did that stem out? That stemmed out because people felt like they couldn't get to where they wanted to go because of the color of their skin, right? Even if there's truth to it, at the end of the day, does it change anything? No, you still have to, you still have to find a way. But, and by but, finding a way, you create a better path. Let me ask you a question. Two, two things on that. Yep. I'm going to give an extreme example to start and then I'm going to push on that too. I think... Creating a victim, a perpetual victimhood mindset, totally agree. And I think it's a problem. And I, it's hard to stop the slippery slope of getting to that, which is why we're there, which is like being a victim is cool. And I don't think it should be. But, you know, if, if you had something bad happen to you or something, you, you are a victim to something. And there needs to be a recognition that like, oh, this happened to me. Like, yes. let's use an extreme example. Girl gets raped. She needs to recognize that. Right. And, and like she needs to understand she is a victim and yeah. it's OK to say that and it's OK to to be fucking broken. You know what you don't. And unfortunately, something like that happens. It's like whatever happens after your mind, you can get really fucked up from that and yep. you may be fucked up for the rest of your life. And I can't fault her in that way. But unfortunately, if you beat it into your head every single day that that's what I'm I, this this will define me. And I'm not faulting girls who do that. I can't imagine having that happen to me. But like that, you become that, right? Yeah. So you don't want to have to. You don't want the the rape. I almost said raper. That, that would have been bad. You don't want the rapist to win. You, you you like that's that's how they win when when they completely take away your entire future and it's a 
Yeah. Very tough thing to say out loud because I can't imagine, right? Yeah. And and I'm fuck if I'm going to tell you how I would handle that. I I can't. I'm not a woman, and like that. That's that's horrible. So extreme example. But you also have like looking at it from the sense of like, okay, you said something like, I can't change this, so let me just break through it. I would say you need to be careful with that in the sense that you don't want to just complete like if everyone just ignored that something was fucked up that was hurting certain people more than it was hurting other people or hurting certain people and not hurting other people, then we would never fix things. You, there right. has to be a level to which we recognize stuff and then fix it. My problem and where I agree with you is where we recognize stuff and then say we're going to fix it, but all we do is just continually recognize it yeah. and then beat it into existence forever. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree. I mean, first of all, the problem is that when I say victimization, victimization is not validating trauma. That's not valid. Validating trauma is its own separate, independent oh, thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, yep, Victimization yep, yep. is when you consider yourself... The, I mean, look, yes, there's the, the literal sense of you were a victim of a crime, of a trauma, of, of something like rape. But you said it yourself. The reality is that the rapist wins. And also, who, who gives a fuck about the rapist? At the end of the day, it's your life that matters, right? Do you mm. win if you let it hold you down your whole life? And it's, it's whole life, extremely man. difficult. Look... Like you said, I could never imagine, never, never, ever. Yeah, imagine I, I can't judge. What that would be like, that. I can't judge. On but that. the reality is, it's our responsibility. By the way, it's our responsibility as men to hold other men accountable. Number one, number two, help women who have been victims of that yep. get through it. That's where we need to be. You can't do that when you have a victim mentality, thinking like. And by the way, that's us as men thinking like, oh well, the world sucks, and I guess this is just this is going to happen to you, and blah blah blah. No, you got to fucking grab that shit by the reins and say, no, motherfucker, I'm going to help you get out of this. I'm going to help you learn to trust men again. I'm going to help you. That's what a father, by the way, a good father should do, a good brother should do. And this hits home for me because I, I, you know, I have a sister who I love, I have a girlfriend who I love, I have a mother who I love, and. I don't even know how it would feel if I found out, yeah. let alone forget about being them in the situation. Here's the other thing, though. And this is why I, by the way, I'm, I'm pro-gun. Here's my issue. My my sister told me the other day, now I live in Mawa, uh, New Jersey, which is Bergen County, right? Not a bad area. Not. She's walking the dog. She says there's a white van. Um, there's somebody in the van and he's staring at her, right? She's like, it's obvious that he's staring at her. The dog stops, like, looks. And... Um, and she starts to feel a little uncomfortable. The guy is about to get out of the van, right? Just staring at her, like looking at her up and down. I wasn't there, but this is what she said. Then she said a police car kind of pulled out and then he got, he quickly got back in his van and she kept walking. Now I'm thinking to myself like, okay, so now my sister, by the way, for context is uh, what, what would she be? Seven, she's 17. So now I'm thinking to myself, now I'm already getting heated, right? So I'm like, fuck, what, what would she have done? God forbid anything. God forbid anything. What would she have done? I live in a state where if you, if she even carried a gun, she'd go to fucking jail. If she shot him out of self-defense, she'd go to fucking jail. But we also live in a state where they say, oh, but you know, you, you, you really, no guns, no, no, but you really should make sure that you're, uh, that, that, that men aren't raping women, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but guess what, motherfucker? I know that. Does that guy know that? And who's, who's going to protect her, right? So that's my problem. Give women the tools. Give First of all, give everybody. Give women the tools to protect themselves, to empower themselves. It's not enough. Words are not enough. That's my, that's my number one concern and my number one issue with a lot of this stuff. It's like, look, it's one thing to validate trauma. It's another thing to validate it and not help them or give them the tools to get the fuck out of it, right? Counter argument to that. And for the record, I, I'm pro-gun too. And, and to be clear on my stance there, 
I'm pro-gun strictly for the slippery slope of where it stops. If you start with one, like, and I always use this example, and some people argue with me, and that's fine, but, you know, do I think anyone needs to fucking own an AR-15? No, you're not fucking using that to hunt. Like, it's stupid. But I have a couple friends who do. And the way they explain it is, I'd never take it out, and I'd, they've shot it at the range a couple times to yep. know that they know how to use it. And their their explanation is they hate it, but they do it as a, a symbol of, like, God forbid they ever came for those and then came for the next ones and the next ones, you fucking have it, right? And so yeah. I, I get that. My issue becomes, like, that whole slippery slope of coming after and then eventually no one can have access to it, and it's a problem. Where I think it runs, and again, opposite but equal reaction, same fucking story all over again here, but where like that example that you give up of your sister runs into a problem is the 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 use of, of the gun because does that sound massively suspicious? Yeah. Does that guy sound like he was up to bad shit? Absolutely. I want to give a personal example though of – couple months ago that outside my house where where something happened and I had wanted to be armed at the time and, and what it really was and it, it was similar this this guy in the middle of the night at like 1 a.m was in the middle of the court outside my house and was shining a beam into the fucking house like wow. like a fucking fluorescent beam. And I'm staring, like, I see it through the other room, like, what the fuck? And I go over there, and I'm hearing, I'm even hearing, like, on the car, like, he backed up for a minute, I heard the beep, 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 and it was a big fucking tanker truck. But not, like, not one of the long ones on the road, like, just a big, massive fucking shithouse of a machine. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm looking, and I can see a little figure in the in the actual truck and and it looks like he's looking like in the house and he's shining the beam right into here and now he can see me and so then suddenly like out of nowhere the guy whips it right whips the truck and in the middle of a neighborhood court i mean he was being an idiot whips the truck forward and then starts ripping it back backing it up into the driveway and now i'm like what the fuck motherfucker so i grab my louisville because i always have a louisville and fun fact you rather have the bat than not. But a, a bat is not a gun. And I don't know what right. the fuck this guy has. And I grabbed a fucking bat. And then the, the moment I get out there, he's backed up into the court again. So I'm like, what the fuck? And then suddenly, now, mind you, I didn't have a gun at the time. And so I wasn't approaching the vehicle yet because I only have a bat. And if he has a gun, guess what? Gun's going to beat a bat real fast. So at the time, like, I'm backed off. And then suddenly, like, he rolls down the window, nicest guy in the world, and goes... Hey, I'm really sorry. It doesn't say, like, the, the number of the house next to you looks like the number of this house. I got called by the whatever to be here. The guy had been called a couple days earlier because the electricity in the house had gone out. Hmm. And so Atlantic City Electric was sending him out, which could be a middle-of-the-night call legitimately, yeah. to fix the power lines. And so he was just showing up to the job and then was, like, fucked up with what house he was supposed to be at and wasn't paying attention to the fact that he was driving a little aggressively for a second and was the nicest guy in the world. And I remember when I cooled down 10 minutes later thinking about that going, if I had a gun, he was getting brandished. Really? And the, Oh, yeah. Oh, just did, shot? No, 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 no. Brandished. Oh, oh. That okay. means like I'm holding up the gun to him, which oh, once yeah. a loaded Fair. gun is hold up to someone, you don't know what's going to happen after that because you don't know how he's going to react. Yeah. Like he's going to think for his life or whatever. And, and I'm like, yeah. 
he was getting a 45 held in his face. Yeah. No doubt about it. And I'm like, imagine what could have happened. Yeah. You know, and I think about that, and it's tough because I think about that a lot, and that's why I hate the thought of them. But you know, on the one hand, like I do, I want people to be able to be armed in the in the case of tyranny. But it's like when you start to go the other way on it, you get really aggressive with it, and yeah. then bad, desperate shit can happen. Except, except what? Okay, but what if what if he wasn't the nicest guy exactly. in the world, and there were guys that jumped out? Exactly. Because in the Bronx, that's what happened. Yeah. Right. So we had we had um fuck. Well, we had the Bloods. Um, what were they called? The Latin Kings. We had the Latin Kings. Oh, they were some Yeah, bad so we had, we had that kind of stuff in my neighborhood in the Bronx. Uh, and I'm just saying, man, like, when you got, like, eight break-ins on your block yep. every three months, it's not a comfortable feeling. No. Like, it, it's really not. And when you, like, I'm telling, you, people have to go through it to really get it. When, and I'm not at all saying I'm from, like, the hood and I'm, you know, whatever. But, when you have a ladder, we used to keep a ladder by the windows because we were on the second floor. We used to keep a ladder by the windows in the case somebody did break in. The rule was get the fuck out of the house and run as far as you can. Don't stay in the house. Go, just go. And my, my dad's philosophy was kind of like, look, the kids, you, everybody gets safe. I'm the one staying in here and I'll take care of it. That was it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we had three apartment, three, three, three rooms in the apartment. Super fucking small ladders by everyone. When you live like that, you don't think anything of it, by the way. Like, especially as a kid, like you're growing up, like, oh, it's just normal. Until you start living in like an area that I live in. And now it's like very comfortable. And you say we have an alarm system for the house. And it's like, we've got a dog. And now all of a sudden it's like, it's easy. I could totally see why people, it heats people up to think that we still need guns. I fucking promise you, yeah. if you don't have them, the bad guy does. Like it, the black market, there's a reason Agreed. why they have. Agreed. So, when That's I went why to I'm Texas, pro Second Amendment, dude. When way. I went to Texas, every you don't even you wouldn't even know it. Everybody's kind. Everybody's respectful for the most part. I mean, I had I met nicer people there than I, I'll ever meet here. Everybody's packing. Do you remember the attack in Texas a few years ago? No, what was the it? the one in the church? Oh, I think so. Yeah, and and somebody put him down. Oh yeah, yeah. And he and unfortunately, I think the guy did get a couple people, but there were yeah. I I don't want to say the number. There were a lot of people in that yep. church, and an armed motherfucker yep. took him down. Yes. A lot of other people could have died. If that guy wasn't Correct. armed, that Correct. was a massacre. Yeah. We don't talk about that. We don't. And that's, I think, again, it comes down to people are scared of it because they don't understand it. I prom- like there. I know people, and I used to think like this too, and I'm sure maybe you did at one point. It's easy to think like, oh my God, like that cop, ra- ra- and I'm not protecting, you know, I'm not whatever. I'm very impartial when it comes to this stuff. But he he rattled off like 10 shots and, and, and hit him like, 12th, I promise you, dude, if you go to a shooting range and you try under no pressure, no threats, try and aim that gun and hit every shot. <laughs> like, yeah. it's scary, dude. It's it's very hard. Like, I think if people had a better appreciation for the weapon and understood what it was like to handle one, uh, what it was like to shoot one, and that's without any pressure or anything like that. Oh, we, I think also, they would... we also got to train our cops a lot better. Oh, no, no, no. That Yeah, that's a whole other topic. I totally agree. But in terms of like regular civilians being armed, I definitely do think like people would, if people had a better appreciation for it, again, it goes back to the beginning of the conversation. It's not the tool, it's the mechanic. Yep. If you recognize and you appreciate what you have, you're not going to go around shooting. It's not how this works. And that's not how it works in Texas either. So, you know, the reality is if you, I, I strongly believe in, in our constitution and I, I, I really do believe that every person, black, white, green, purple, man, woman, child, doesn't matter, has a right to the pursuit of happiness and has a right to protect themselves and their family, period. Period. So to me, that means guns. To me, 
you know, it means opportunity. It doesn't mean handouts. It means opportunity and equal opportunity. May I add like that's, I'm very big push on that equal opportunity. Um, and, and again, people will do that, do with that what they will, you know, and, and, and from there, and I, that's why podcasts like this are beautiful because this is where people can come and I don't want to say learn, but at least see different perspectives. Yeah. Right. So yeah, but I, I'm, I'm very programmed, programmed specifically because of that, especially, uh, during the whole, you know, George, after George Floyd and, and with all the riots and the protests and stuff like that, I mean, with buildings being blown up and you're like, well, let's just say somebody did break in. How would I protect my family? Actually have a great story for you. I, I, I shouldn't say great story, but at Colgate, my last semester, we were online zoom, all of this stuff was happening, the George Floyd stuff. So obviously, I mean, conversations were heated as it was. I was in a criminology course, of oh course, boy. coincidental, right? So they're talking about gun laws. And the whole class is like extreme, extreme liberal, right? Which is fine. I mean, I don't care. Like I said, I really do enjoy listening to open perspectives, but it was like very lopsided in the class. So I happen to be like the one strong stance I take is pro-gun, specifically because I've had certain experiences where I feel like it was necessary, right? Okay. So I'm in the, I'm in the class and this comes up and they were talking about like, oh, well, you know, you don't need a gun. You don't need a gun. So I gave them this example because we, my house in the Bronx had been broken into multiple times. So I was like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. If somebody breaks into my home, right? And I shoot him and I kill him. And he had the intent to either rob or rape my sister or rape my mother or do some damage. I would rather live with the consequences of killing him and putting him down than the consequences of him having raped my, my sister, my mother, my girlfriend, burning my house down, all things that have happened in the past, right? Okay, good. Yeah. You want to know what the response was? Well, men should stop raping women. That's what the response was. First of all, let me just point out to the audience: absolutely, everyone should stop raping duh, anyone. Period. Duh. Right. Obviously. But why? Did, why does it still exist? It exists because there's evil in Correct. this world, and that's what I was talking about with the soft mindset before. It's it, that's the problem. We have this false expectation that the world is sunflowers and rainbows. It's not, bro. It's really fucking not. And the problem that I have right now is like when you have that kind of thinking, it's so fucking dangerous because if we errat, if we take away, Jordan Peterson says it the best, ready? He says, the only thing that can beat a bad, dangerous man is a good man that's even more dangerous. It's a good man who's a monster, by the man or woman, who's a monster, who's dangerous, but who's good. They have to be more dangerous killer instinct they Tough. have to be more dangerous that's it dude you can't i'm telling you man when you <clears throat> you can't appreciate it until you go through it but it really is something where if you live in a little fucking like bubble like this like this glass it's very difficult to see the perspective of things like pro gun or things like protection stuff like you don't need it you don't need it. i'm telling you man you'd rather have it i promise like i really do it, it it's not you don't have to use it don't ever even fucking touch it please but in the case that you do need to You'd rather have it. So I don't know. I It's one of those topics, again, it's a very hot topic. I feel very strongly about it. Um, also because that's also how we liberated. That's how we're here. That's how our freedom was attained. Yeah. Yeah. And and so. I, I agree a thousand percent with the fact that, that you, you need to have. And by the way, if, if there's one good thing to come of COVID, we're as – my friend Mike Spear says we're the most well-armed militia in the dude, world. Dude, we've here. got two gun cells. You can't dude, even get a nine millimeter dude, right now, or I, ammo. It was stunning to me. I guess because in the past I've talked about how I am pro Second Amendment, but the number of texts I got 
throughout the pandemic of people like yo so how, how do you uh how do i go about buying a gun i was like yeah. stunned because i'm not even a gun owner i just strongly believe in it and i guess that's why people thought <laughs> why, I why was. don't you own a gun i never have i don't own one either by the way i have never had the moment where i said oh i need it because of where i live right now okay i've, I've had a couple close moments to that and then i deprioritized it and ended up being okay because yeah. i'd rather not have to have one but i am recently i have thought about yeah. it a lot more i don't, I don't have one either but it's only because i can't i can't allocate the funds for what i what i'd want to get or like not what i want to get but to properly because to me it's not just arming yourself it's training yourself oh yeah i don't think it's good enough to just oh go out and buy a gun like you really do need to pay for some lessons yep handle it and that's gonna call that's gonna run you up a lot of money so but which by the way i think if, it's if, not a fucking toy if, yeah if this was more affordable and accessible to people here we are talking about equal opportunity i definitely don't think that most areas most areas that uh, are more impoverished, are more low-income housing, there's no fucking way there's a gun range there. Very rare. I mean, A, safety reasons, but B, because it's it's expensive. Like, it's genuinely expensive. Who can afford to go, right? I mean, let's do the math. So I understand that. I definitely do think it should be more accessible, and I think it's, it's, it should be something that's more encouraged but in a safe way, you know? And training, absolutely. I mean, without a doubt. You shouldn't be allowed to buy the gun unless you guarantee purchase 10 fucking lessons with the gun. I, I 100% think that. And I can't afford that, which is why I haven't bought the gun. Uh, I also can't afford the safe that goes with it, you know? And I also would want to train the people that are going to be in the house around the gun. Like, that's... These are all the things that come into it. So I don't own one either, but... Yeah, it's... um. It is a slippery slope, though, too, because it does. It definitely does trigger some people, and it, it, for sure, man. I mean, I I can't help but think of certain circumstances where I'm like, damn, dude, if that teacher was just armed, man, and trained, if that was just part of her training, like, fuck, if that one girl, like, dude, my girlfriend can't even fucking use a taser, like, she went to SUNY Cortland, okay, it's in New York, there were a lot of rape cases, a lot of stabbings and stuff like what that. What do you mean she can't use a taser? It's illegal. She would go to jail. I For gave her a taser. a taser. Yes, I gave her a taser. I was like, Jess, at the very least, take this with you to the bar. Now, look, I'm not some like crazy helicopter, you know, like whatever, yeah. like have fun, do whatever the fuck you want. But as a boyfriend, I'm concerned because I'm like, look, if yeah. I'm with you, fuck it. Like, and at the end of the day, like, okay, I get, sca get stabbed, you get to run away. Like, that's fine with me. But when I'm not there, I'm not going to trust whoever you're with. I don't care who it is. Even if you're with your guy friends, I don't trust them to protect you. So take this, take that, whatever. And then I, I find out she could go to jail if she used it. Like if she got caught with that in her purse, that would be that would be a charge. I'm thinking to myself like, yo, this is so fucking twisted. Like how I want people, to, I want women to be able to protect themselves against men. Period. Like end of story. Because men, sexual, like biological sex differences, we tend to be bigger, stronger, more mm -hmm. aggressive. I mean, come on, bro. This isn't a fair game. Then you know what I mean. So yeah, and that's. Yeah, it's very frustrating for me. It's a, it's a hot topic because it's like, dude, it, it's there's no excuse. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's it's damned if you do, damned if you don't on the training point because, like, you know to be trained, but it, do other people know to do that? And then you have gun owners who then use it and have no fucking idea what they're doing and people unnecessarily die. And it, it's like I do – I agree with you in the sense that I want to err on the side of, like, people having – 
the right and having the ability to be able to do that and protect themselves. I, I think that a society where bad people are going to find a way to get their hands on weaponry means that good people need to be able to get their hands on weaponry too. So when I see any forms of restrictions coming in on that, that does not sit well with me. And like we just talked about a few seconds ago, but you know, you just, you mentioned you just went down to Texas. Yeah. 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 Reese, I actually just got back last, well, a week ago. Now, had you ever been there before? No, no, that was my first time. So did you talk to anyone about that when you were down there? Like the whole, like, because it is very fucking freedom down there. I would say they talked to me. So like. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we would be in a boot shop looking for some cowboy hats. They're scouting you. That's what they're doing. Because they're like, here comes a Yankee from Jersey. Bro, they. (laughs) They see they see a, a, a clean shaven white boy with a part in his hair, and they're thinking like, "Oh, he's one of goddamn liberal <laughs> coming <laughs> down here to invest our laws." <laughs> Literally, I mean, we it's funny, man. We were we met really good people, um, but yeah, it's there. I mean, you we were in a boot shop. Sky Johnny, he came from uh, Mexico, and uh, yeah, man. I mean, they talk about it all the time. They're like, they really do have that mindset of like, come and take it. Like, come, you want our guns, come and take it, you know? And if you want to come and take it, it's like, if, if you think you're going to eliminate our second amendment, we're going to secede. That's how they think. Like, they genuinely think that that, which is is a shock, you know, because you're used to up here, you are never, even if somebody believes it, they are not speaking that shit out loud. So, um, it just, it was, it was definitely interesting and, uh, it's cool, but also at the same time, like you do get a little bit of that too far right yeah. traditional mentality, yep. which I don't really mess with either. You know, I like to be, I don't know. I, I it was, it was interesting for sure. I think that one, one of the issues I, I have with, with the right wing where, you know, it's like the traditional right wing. If we're just talking about that, like kind of traditional Texas Republican is that there are so many freedoms on things that then there's not freedoms on stuff. And, you know, you see the consistent, like, don't they fear change and don't like things they're not used to. What happens, though, is that then when that's public and people see that and say, well, fuck that, which, you know, is the natural response that many of us would have to that, you know, we then forget that, well, there are some things they definitely have right. And, like, I I agree with that. do I like the fact that everyone's fucking walking into a bar with a gun on them? Not necessarily, but yeah. like, do I like the fact that everyone has the right to do that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. We didn't spend enough time to know if there are like precautions or rules that they take. Like maybe you can't, like I'm pretty sure, like I know in Arizona, you can't just walk in, like you have to leave your gun in a basket. Yep. Whatever. Yep. All right, whatever. But here's the other thing too, though. We stayed in Austin and we visited San Antonio. We visited Corpus Christi. Austin is known to be extremely democratic, extremely liberal, right? Mm-hmm. And you could see that for sure. Um, and especially downtown in the city. But no matter where we were, you could not tell if somebody was carrying. I only knew that people were carrying because I went to a gym in San Antonio. Guy was very nice. He was like, listen, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Just because you don't think they are does not mean that they aren't. I promise you they have it on them, whether you see it or not. Everyone. Now, here's the thing. The fact that it's concealed little concerning you know but at the same time it also raises a little bit of an awareness like it's it's almost like a standard of respect it kind of it's hard to explain it was like a vibe you get this vibe of like nobody fucks with each other in that way like everybody has a level of respect what i will say though that the guy from san antonio said um he was like you know i'll be honest like if somebody's on your property and you don't want them there you have every right to blow them away 
So that kind of shit does exist. So like what you were talking about, that situation, that 100% would have played out exactly how you thought it was going to play out. <laughs> so for better or for worse. Yeah. yeah so, scary. you know, and, and so, but now again, with that said, it is the tool. You know, I mean, it, you have, it, it's a tool and you are the mechanic. You have to choose how you use it and how you approach it. Again, what I will say though, you said like some people not being like pro change. I was in New Braunfels, which is like right between San Antonio, San Antonio and Austin, right? So Austin. What's it called? Uh, New Braunfels. Hmm. Beautiful town, by the way. Beautiful town. But it has very German roots. So like super hmm. traditional German roots. Yes. What kind of super traditional cow- German? Ca- cowboy hat, fucking buckle, like boots the, okay, and everything. Okay, those are not the German traditional. Oh, no, 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 no. Not that, not that kind of German. Oh, okay. <laughs> not the Nazi shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, still, I, I, yeah. I don't think about cowboy hats yeah, no, no, we're, we're still in the free country, yeah. But uh, uh, actually, I was kind of surprised to, to hear that they had the German roots. But yeah, so very yeah, German roots, okay. and, and that's very white. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Okay. It started off very, very white. So they're there, right? And they're talking about how much more diverse it's become because over the recent years, all the influx of people into yeah. Austin and then people spread out, real estate's cheap. They're buying it up. They're going to resell it. Great business stuff. Okay, whatever. So they're filling out New Braunfels. They're making comments as if it's like, we're open to the diversity, but we're not open to the liberal shit. That's straight up what they'd say. That's in New Braunfels. That's a little bit further from Austin, right? So there is some of that. Like you have people that are like, not not pro change whatsoever not open to new idea you know and th- i think the thing is like you could tell it's not a very creative town like yeah. it, i'm not trying to be disrespectful yeah, at all no, it's very true, beautiful man. very 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 beautiful but you lack a lot of the art and the creativity Dude, one thing one thing about conservatives i'm going to generalize here but fucking i'm going to generalize the lack of fucking creativity and the lack of uh, ability to make cool shit it is a trait. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't say yeah. lack of. I would definitely say lack of drawing outside the box. For yeah, sure, you big know. Time. So so yeah. So like that's and you can totally see that. But also on the same token too, like when you're in downtown Austin, it's really cool. But at the same time, like you can tell, like graffiti everywhere. That's where the homeless were. That's it was very like it was a little trashy and stuff. But you could tell there's like a lot of like cool small coffee shops, lots of independently owned stuff. You know, definitely more of the artistic style yep. stuff. And so it's interesting for us because we literally go from that to the bipolar opposite. So it was interesting. It was definitely a cool trip. I'm glad I went. I went because I was thinking about moving to Texas and I kind of still am. I really liked some parts of Austin, like North Austin was really cool. Round Rock or Georgetown. Uh, those were really cool spots. You get a mix of both. I like places that are in the middle. I really do. Like yep. I like places that have a mix of, I see value in both. Um, and those places had a mix of, uh, had a mix of both. So that was cool. When I moved to San Antonio, I really liked San Antonio. They have a fucking sick gym there. Sick gym. But I don't know if I would move there. Uh, New Braunfels, again, absolutely beautiful, but not a lot going on. Um, and it's growing. It's definitely diversifying. But again, I don't know if I'd move there. Uh, next up is Dallas. I want to check out Dallas. Got it. So, yeah, let's actually talk about what what you're doing. Let's let's segue to that right now. That's sure. a good spot to go because I are are you looking to move down there because there's like a, a wider influx of people like in the powerlifting community or like it's a better spot for you to be or you're just quality of life kind of deal. Good question. Uh so there are main some main reasons that first one is no state income tax. Um mm. so that's a big one. Yeah. Warm weather year round for the most part, that's a big one. Um uh cost of living, so cheaper mm-hmm. to buy and rent you know there uh and then 
The other thing is, I mean, I again, they are pro gun state. Like I can carry and stuff without having to worry about it. So that's that's another uh, benefit. And the last thing really only came up recently was just the fact that there are so many people moving. All the tech companies, a lot of the big, like yep. Joe Rogan's there, Tesla's there, Apple's setting up a headquarters there. Uh, a friend of mine who also graduated from Colgate, he owns and runs Suniva Super Coffee. Um, yeah, Jim DeSico, great fucking guy, great athlete. Him and his brothers run the company. They just moved to Austin. So it just, you see the trends and, and people, you kind of want to follow it. People don't know this. That was happening before COVID too. It got exploded with COVID. Yes. But yes. Austin was, and it was kind of quiet, but if you were in the tech community, you knew this a few years ago, yeah. Austin was creating a lot of the secondary satellite campuses for big tech companies. And now some of the main campuses are there, but yeah. you know what? One of my clients from my previous career had called me up like on a whim, New York guy called me up one day. And said, Julian, tell me about Florida and Texas. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you, you, you fucking yeah, New yeah, York yeah. guy. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And he's big in the tech community. So he had already yeah, been yeah, hearing yeah. whispers. This is 2018. And within a week after we got the information, he had flown down to Austin and signed the lease for his wow. company. I was like, holy shit. And he's like, Julian, you don't understand. It's if you're big. in this community... And I came down here to confirm it, but they're here, man. They're fucking yeah. here. I met a I met a guy. His name is Jonah. Another great fucking dude. I met him at the Gold's Gym in Austin. Just had needed a gym on a Saturday. Went saw him. He owns a supplement company. We were talking, and he, even he was saying he's like, "Bro, you don't get how tight the circle is. Like the entrepreneurship circle here is nutty. Like you could sit in on a poker game and sit next to somebody who's worth forty million, and you're just having a conversation. That network." Yeah. You can't get that in a city or in LA because it's there's a level of access, right? Like there's like the uber wealthy and you got to get through circles and shit. In Austin, because everybody's coming in, it's almost like a clean slate. Yep. Right? It's a melting pot Dude, right now. it's fucking perfect. The only downside is that it, like all cities, it's going through its transition. Austin from, according to the people who live there, this is what they told me. Like Austin was never built to be a big city. So it's struggling to adapt to that, right? So, yeah, it's a landlocked kind of like hilly exactly. laid back. Chill. I've never been exactly. there, but that's no, that's what it is. Yeah. So you have downtown, downtown city, right? Everything around it is hill country. All right. Think of it like New York City, Manhattan. You ever been upstate New York? A little. Okay. Upstate New York is like trees, yep. fucking for. Okay. Yep. That it's kind of like that, except flatter, more hills, warmer weather. That's it. So right now, Austin's, I, I don't want to say struggling. I don't really know, but they're developing, right? Sure. So you have this small little glass, but all these people are pouring in. So now it's starting to spread out, spread out, spread out, spread out. Yeah. And it's like, they don't have the luxury that Miami does. Like, cause you've seen Austin and Miami have won COVID like yeah. straight up. They, yeah, yeah. they are the victors. They are at the winning table. And yeah. what Suarez is doing in Miami right now is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but with Miami, forget the fact, you know, it's Miami, baby. But yeah. you know, besides that, it's like 35 square miles of the city limits. Yeah. So many untapped buildings that they haven't, the cranes have been sitting there waiting yeah, to dude. build something. Land for days, cheap land for days. Knows that, like, compared to San Francisco, for as an example, which is like crazy with this, but like the zoning laws are easy. So they have all, the, like, they were ready for this. They were yeah. born for people to be fucking coming in at a fast rate and they still can't even handle it. Austin, to your point, and again, I haven't been there. You know better than me at this point. But from everything I've heard over the years, is like it's not like that's not the case. They and there's a lot of trees and like countryside and yeah. shit like that. So they got to knock shit down to build stuff. And it's like 
it's a lot to take in. Yeah. I think it seems like they're handling it as best they can, though. I oh, mean, yeah. Well, look, know. it's something that it's a beautiful thing because it's like capitalism, baby. Like it, it if it's going to grow, people are going to yeah. make it grow. You know, like you have these tech companies coming in. Boom. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to get that loan from the bank that says you want to buy that 32 unit building because they know, oh, Apple's right next door. How many jobs are they bringing there? Where are they going to stay? Oh, in your 32 unit building. Yeah. So, so it all funds itself in a way. It just takes time and it's going to have its ugly phase. I think it's in its ugly phase right now. Yeah. Now, you you strike me as one of the more interesting people I've ever met because you have such a wide range of thoughts and you think about things extremely, extremely deeply. And to use a stereotype here, people don't think of that when they're thinking of like a power lifter. Like, yeah. oh, this guy's going to give critical theory on everything yeah. from like from like gender to racial studies. Like, yeah. like all this shit and whatever. And, and, and I love hearing it. But like, how, how did you, you know... It, you're one of the best in the world, by the way. I want you to explain oh, like what it. what weight class you're in and like yeah, how it yeah. works. But how did you get into that? And like, where do you stand right now? And what are you yeah. looking to do? All right. So I told this story pretty much only once, and it was to one other person. Actually, I think it might have been John. Um, man. So first and foremost, I I I mean, I've been lifting. I'm 23 now. I've been lifting since I was like 12. Love that. So I've been like my mom in our Bronx apartment used to put in the P90X tapes and just fucking get after it. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to get after it too. Right. And, uh, so I would do that. And at the time I was doing it for sports, as I'm sure you could relate, like yeah. you didn't train cause you wanted to train, you trained for sports. Right. That's how I went about it. And, uh, and I saw so much increase, like just everything, confidence, productivity, everything went up. I started, I fell in love with it. Then all the people around me started to notice. And this was, when I was like fucking middle school. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. Can you train me? Can you train me? That's how that seed was planted. Get to high school, falling in and out of love with different sports and shit like that. Um, but training always staying consistent, right? All right, so let's fast forward all the way to college. So I transferred to Colgate. And by this time, I mean, I've done CrossFit for a few years, right? I've done Olympic lifting out of an academy in uh, Westchester, New York for a few, for about a year and a half. Um, I had done some bodybuilding stuff. So I have, I really, and I, I dove into this shit, right? So... I, I transferred to Colgate and I had a really tough time transitioning because I transferred mid-year. It's fucking freezing. It's like negative 15 every day there. And it's a hard school. And I get there. I don't know anybody. So I'm, I'm working on the gym and it's a hard feeling for anybody who doesn't lift. I don't know if they'll truly grasp this. So if you don't lift, you better start fucking lifting. <laughs> um, I get to the gym, right? Whenever you walk into a gym you're not used to, it almost feels like uncomfortable. Like it's not like a home, yeah. right? Okay, so... That's how it feels. So I'm leaving and I start to break down. I'm like, dude, like, cause lifting became who I was. I built my confidence through that. I built my friendships through that. I built everything through that. And it felt like it was starting to fall apart. So I'm thinking to myself, like I've been training at the time. It was like seven years. I've been training for seven years. What do I have to show for it? Like my, my body, like, that's it. Like what, what, so what, who cares? I look up some records cause I, I like to compete. I look up records for the 83 kg class at the, and, and the juniors. The juniors goes from like age 19 till like the day before you turn 24, right? And 83 kg is like is 185 pounds? One, exactly, 183 or 181. I know my shit. Yeah, yeah, baby. So we're there. I'm, I'm sitting in my car, right? And I'm, I'm upset with myself because I'm like, fuck, man. Like I, I feel like I'm worth nothing, right? I just spent all these hours in the gym every day for the last seven years for what? Right. Why do you feel like you were because you weren't competing? I didn't have anything. To, well, no, because I didn't have any accomplishments, no medals, no not no titles. Yeah, nothing. So you weren't. Yeah. I just felt like, oh, man, like, so what? I was lifting for three to five hours a day for the last seven years. Like, but is that what you felt like? I'm and I'm pushing a little bit here, but 
Is that what you felt like you needed to draw out of it? It wasn't because, <clears throat> like, you and I talked off air about this, but like, I, I fucking love lifting, yeah. and I've been unhealthy now for a year, and it's been like six months since I had a real lift, and it's fucking, it's killing me inside. And right? we still look pretty good, so I'm trying. I see those thing, bicep things, man. Well, we're working. Every on time it. you grab the camera, the boomstick, I see that fucking vein popping. Right, well, <laughs> you, I, I think you're you're trying to prop me up here, so thank you. But it's like, I I never ever competed like you do and you know where you like to put 750 pounds on on the bar and lift it up four times like a sociopath i like to put 255 on the hex and make that thing fly for, for about sure. 60 reps over about five minutes right yep. so different apples and oranges if you don't lift like those are entirely different things i always drew my drive to like how it made me feel and then yep. back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier, like being able to know, like shit hit, like I'm a boxer, shit hits the yep. fan, I'm gonna knock you fucking out, right? Like that's where I got it. I never thought like, mm, I need to outlift that guy or set this record to yeah. feel that worth. I, I my reward is I feel good. I feel like I did something. I feel disciplined. I feel like a man. I feel like I'm fucking strong and can defend yeah. myself. So you you didn't give yourself any credit for that because you were doing this at a young fucking age. I think I think I did that for the first five years, and it, it feels good. You and look then it good. wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because again, and I think a lot of people struggle with this. What's your purpose in life, man? Like, where are you going? And then when you start to break it down, it's like, well, what do I do every day? And this is what I, with this is what I asked myself. I was like, in my perfect paradise, I had everything I ever wanted: money, cars, family, all that stuff. What is it I'm still going to do when I wake up? I have everything I want, but I'm still going. I'm still alive. So what am I going to do? First thing that popped into my mind is lift. So I'm yeah. thinking, I'm like, you know what? I must be doing something right, right? All right. So that's what I. So the. The reason why it wasn't enough was because I'm thinking to myself like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm doing. But so what? Like there's got to be something more to this. And I wanted to push myself to a newer standard. I wanted to push myself to become more. And to do that, I, I figured, you know what? Let me let me start competing in something. I was going to do Olympic lifting, but I couldn't because my gym didn't have the right equipment. So I was like, well, and what Olympic else is there? Lifting is... Olympic lifting is snatch, yep. clean and jerk, right? Shit's wild. It is pretty fucking crazy. I'm not going to lie. Um but yeah, so then I think powerlifting. So that now I'm in the car, I'm looking up records and I'm, I'm convincing myself like I can fucking do this. So I look up the records, Sky Russell, where he's still a very, very top competitor right now. Um, and I see his name and I'm thinking, and so basically I, at the time I had a 1400 total. A total is your squat, your best squat, yep. plus your best bench, plus your best deadlift, right? At the time, I don't know what my exact numbers were, but there was like a 315 bench maybe, I don't know, a 505 squat and like a... 525 deadlift in your weight class yeah yeah whatever that was like 83 kg to win to be number one i needed like an 1800 total or 1830 total it's like 400 pounds on my total and i'm thinking to myself stupid i'm thinking i'm thinking to myself like i can do this in two years (laughs) oh sure yeah you know i'm really thinking i'm thinking like all i gotta do is just put on 200 pounds on my total in in each year and I i specifically remember talking to it talking about it to people at my girlfriend's because my girlfriend's school, SUNY Cortland was a very athletic school, like heavily athletic. And there were powerlifters there. And I remember talking like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this, blah, blah. And they were all like, fuck you. The fuck are you, bro? You can't do shit. You know what I mean? I love how everyone tells you. It's crazy, you right? It's funny, right? right? Yeah. Because I don't do that. And yeah. and the reason why, and I'll get Clearly. to why, I get to why I don't do that. But so I'm, I, I start committing myself to it. Long story short, get a coach and all that stuff. And I go through the process and my first meet, um, I ended up totaling like 1,600. I placed first New Jersey state champion. Then my second meet was nationals, placed 
top six in the nation in, by the way, now I compete 93 kg. So that's around 205 pounds. Um, How old were you this, this for New Jersey States? I want to say I was 20 maybe. And then for my first nationals, I was, I think I was still 20 or uh, maybe I was 21. Yeah. Um, it gets confusing because the COVID stuff, we skipped a whole year of nationals and stuff. So it's hard for me to remember. I think it was like 20. Um, so yeah, at nationals, I total, uh, I don't even remember, 1680, maybe place sixth um, in the nation for my class and so for what, juniors. What, what was your squat then? Um, at the time, my at nationals, it was 612 squat. Bench was fourth, 440, maybe. Pull was 640 or 650, something like that. And um, meat, you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Someone's beating you, baby. <laughs> Pussy. Continue. But uh, yeah, and so, you know, fast forward, my last meet, I had an 1830 total. Um, and, uh, I squatted six, I don't know, 672. I benched 463 and then deadlifted around 700. Um, gotta get that bench up, buddy. Well, my bench now is 490.5. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And the gym, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. My best squat to date, 716.5. Best bench, 490.5. 716. What was it yeah. like getting seven bills for the first time? It felt pretty euphoric, but now, now, it was hard. Were you going down to 10 inches on that? Bro, that shit was depth. You know I know how I was depth? Because I didn't hit depth the first time I attempted it. Yeah. And, and what's the standard yeah. depth you must hit? I forget. Your hip crease has to pass, I believe, below your knee, your knee crease. Right. So yeah. that can be different inches for different people, obviously. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 100%. I think, I think the actual rule, it might be like an inch measurement thing, but I, I just know from training... We look for that hip crease and the knee crease. Your hip crease really should be below your knee That's crease. That's fine. I, I never, I never checked that. Now I, I know I did, but I used to set up whenever I did squats. I would yeah. touch because you, you can't, you don't want to take the force and take the force away at the bottom and get a bounce. Like sure. you want to yes, just yes, yes. barely you touch, tension. right? Yeah. yeah. So I would set it up at the thirteen or fourteen inch mark. Okay. But I know, like, because some guys, I, I trained at a very similar gym to what you have up there. You train at Elite. Right. I need a, yeah, a yeah. training facility. So I trained it at, at Whippany. And what I loved about that place is it was all boxers and power lifters and then some yeah. guys like in the middle who like respected both or did a little bit of both. Yeah. And so I, you know, Chris Lentino was there. Um, yeah, who the fuck else was there? Like like some, some pretty big guys like in the space yeah. who you would know worked out there. And I would always be amazed at how low they would go. Because like yeah. I'm going to 13 or 14 and at 6'1", that's pretty fucking low. Yeah. And like some of the guys would be like, all right, good depth. And then you see some motherfucker with his ass touching the floor. Yeah, yeah there, like, there are times Whoa. when that's not necessary. But the reality is if you know, you're going to get red lighted for depth, it's, it's just a shitty feeling because it's like you fucking – you squatted it, dude. Just go deeper. And yeah. usually the reason why you're not going deeper, and nobody likes to admit this, but it's a confidence thing. So like in competition, nine times out of 10, if you did not hit depth, but you hit the squat, it's probably because you weren't confident. I've, I've done that. I've, I've definitely fucked up with that. And I've multiple times. It's a confidence thing, which means- like, What do you mean a confidence thing? You have to have confidence and composure getting under the barbell. A lot of people yeah. don't get it. You don't get fucking- this. Everybody has a different approach. But in my experience, especially when it's a max lift, you do not want to get all fucking crazy riled up. I call it a controlled rage. Your job as a as a powerlifter, as a lifter in general, is you inhibit the inhibitors in your body. Your body naturally wants to protect itself. So when it gets hyped up for a heavy lift, what you're trying to tell your body is like, yo, motherfucker, we're going to die if we don't do this. You better turn everything off and go for it, right? Naturally trying to get your adrenaline up if you're a drug-free athlete like myself. So 
If that's the case, you're inhibiting the inhibitors, but here's the problem. You get too crazy, all your technique goes out the window. Everything goes out the window. Not only do you risk injury, you're probably gonna fail the lift or you're just gonna make it look fucking ugly, right? So you need a controlled rage. It's like a focus. It's like a fucking, it's like, think of like a sniper, right? You got the power of one of the most powerful weapons in the fucking world in your hands, but without control, that thing is useless, right? You respect that's the beast. It. Exactly. And the beast, by the way, is yourself. Yep. And that's a beautiful thing about lifting and that's why I've, I've fallen in love with it. The bar, the weight, it's impartial. It doesn't give a fuck how much money you have, what color you are, where you come from, if you had a bad day, if it, it doesn't matter. It stays the same. That means that your performance is completely predicated on yourself. It means you're in control. It's a different level of accountability, right? There's no such thing as any given Sunday. There's no such thing, oh, well, they just had better guys. No, motherfucker, it's you or you, so decide. So because of that, um, that plays into confidence. If you're not confident about your lift, you're going to cut depth, right? You don't think you can go as deep. You're going to slow it. You see it all the time. Guys slow down their, their descent so much, it takes so much energy out of them that they hit the hole, they can't even come up. That's happened to me because you don't have the confidence. You don't think you can do it. So you're, you're, you're scared, you're scared, you're scared. Zaps, I mean, you're basically doing a tempo squat. So you're, you're zapping yourself of all your energy and then you can't pick it up. So yeah, happens a lot. Confidence is a big thing. Sports uh, psychology plays a big role uh, in all that stuff. So, which I don't think it's enough coverage these days. Well, that's, we could go off on that yeah. for a long time, but you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to have to have you back here again because we talked about like I always say, I never know where these things are going. And this episode is a prime example because I figured, you know, I'm going to bring up stuff you're interested in and that I I share an interest in. Right. So I'll find those commonalities. And so I'm thinking in this episode, well, we'll probably end up getting to like, you know, staying fit during COVID and like how some people are dealing with the mental behind that. Like you kind of just mentioned a little touch of the mental stuff and then go through like how you got to where you got and what you're doing. And we're fucking at the end here and we're like getting to it now. So I'm going to have to have you here again to like go through a bunch of that other stuff but um you know in in the meantime on on this like one of the things you mentioned right there and people just think about the stereotype right away and they see if they're watching right now i mean you can tell this guy's fucking (laughs) brick shit house um (laughs) you know he walks in here like his arms got to move out of the way the goddamn door (laughs) but and like again like i've seen guys who work like you i know what goes into that so it's like it's crazy but one of stereotypes is, you know, to compete in that kind of stuff, guys are, you know, they're hitting Andrade the juice and, and, yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, and like some cynics right now are going to listen like, yeah, you're not all fucking juice, yeah, yeah, but you know, sure. you're looking at me, I, I believe you. How do you find a way to compete when you know that frankly, a lot of the people you're going up against, they do have that advantage. It's just, it's, um, it is a reality. Two things. One, my federation is the most prestigious and strictest federation. What we, does that mean? So we hold federation. ourselves to a federation is like, think of it like the Olympics, right? Where my federation is the Olympics of powerlifting. All right. So it's like the most, um, federation is like an organization. It's a, what's it's that like called? A what's that? Mine federation? is the USAPL. So the difference is I'll break it down real fast. Okay. So we have USAPL, USPA, right? Then we have like RPS and then WRPF, a bunch of like kind of, I don't want to say irrelevant cause I'm gonna piss some people off, but some ones that not many people care about. Right. The biggest difference is the USAPL is the only federation to use the same bar, which is a stiff bar, right? For each lift, they drug test their athletes, the top 10% of every competition. Um, the, the judging wait, wait, itself- Wait, wait, so they don't drug test 90% of them? Well, yeah, but- Because they lost. Okay, right, yeah, 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 pretty you. much. All right, that's yeah. fair. Hate to say it, but yeah. No, no, that's fine. Um, and what else? And they have very, very strict judging, like extremely. It's also one of the most expensive federations to be in. Um, the other federations, they use different bars, um, there's for the most part it's all like 
kind of free for all in terms of drugs. They do have drug tested meats, but uh, most of the competition is in, and the money is in non-drug tested. So to answer your question, first and foremost, my federation is drug tested. And if I want to be a world champion, I know I'm going to get tested. And also I wouldn't do it anyway, but um, you know, I'm not going to take drugs because obviously I'd get caught. And, Can and, you get around <clears throat> it? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say yes, because like, why wouldn't, like, if you could figure out, like, I'm sure like SARMs, I don't think is being tested for. Um, there are people who've gotten popped, which means that there are people who probably haven't gotten popped. Right. Um, Mother, Mother Russia figured it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, big time. <laughs> they do all the drugs yeah. over there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, the other thing too, is I personally don't give a fuck. Like I want to be the best of the best. And if you're on drugs then fuck it, if I get to beat you while you're on drugs and that sucks for you, you know? So like, to me, I, I'm in it not because of I'm, I'm comparing myself to other people. I'm in it for myself. Like, again, I see myself as somebody who has the potential, like we all do, has the potential to set standards that people would look at and be like, holy fuck, how the fuck is he going to do that? That's not even possible. You're crazy. And then you go and do it. It's like the first person to ever run a sub four minute mile, right? Everybody thought it was impossible until he did it. Now thousands of people have done it. Yeah. So that's it, man. You know, and to me, it's like, look, man, I... I I have nothing against drugged athletes, none whatsoever. Um, but again, to me, it's like, I want, I want to know that everything I did was true strength. I can't attribute it to drugs, can't attribute it to a special bar, nothing. It's pure raw strength. And that was the product of me and my dedication and my team and my coach and the people that support me. So that means no drugs. <clears throat> you know, it's definitely tempting though. <laughs> no, no, good, good for you. I'm, I'm sure it is because, and like, I think about it with, baseball a lot too because i've heard even now but to a lesser extent and i don't even want to comment on that but back in the day yeah like in in the early 2000s you talk to anyone who was in the league yeah there was a fucking gatorade tank in the middle of every <laughs> locker room and like yeah i think about it from the sense that they were all doing it they were all there they were all doing it and the guys who didn't guess what they most likely didn't make it, yeah. and with the short earning window they had, they didn't make the money. Yeah, they could have. It's that's that. I don't care yeah. what you say. Anyone can judge from the outside. That is a shitty spot to be in Absolutely. when you know everyone is fucking doing it, yeah. and you are putting yourself at a disadvantage to do it. And so in powerlifting, where I know that like it is a thing, and you can get around these tests and whatever, yeah. the fact that you don't, I respect the fuck out of that yeah, because it, it. It, it's it's very. You know, again, like you have a window here of like yeah. a decade where you're going to be in your physical peak and yeah. you're going to have to work to keep your body in that peak because yeah. you're, you are bending it in ways that it is not supposed to bend every most days of your life. Yeah, you know, no, for sure. Yeah. And that just to and this is a good note to end on too. like there are a lot of people, a lot of elite level lifters that openly take drugs and are honest about it. And that I'm all for it. So there's a lot. There are lifters who lie about it, yeah. you know, but that's not so much empowering. That's more in like the bodybuilding space. Like influencers especially all yeah. of them are on shit and they all lie about it that's a problem because now they're pushing their programs pushing their supplements it just gives this false uh, idea of what's actually attainable regardless if if i did take drugs i would just compete in a in a non-drug tested federation you know and, and and just be open about it and and that would be fine you know but think of it this way like there are guys like the strongman like the guy again who was sponsored by rain half thor bjornsson he was in game of thrones do you really think people want to pay to see some skinny, scrawny, tall dude. No, they want to see the beast of the fucking yeah. beasts, right? Yeah. Guess what that takes? That takes drugs. And so if he's his job is to do that, take the drugs, man. Like, I get it. You know, I'm, again, nothing against it whatsoever. I just think we have a responsibility to be completely transparent and yes. open and honest with people 
that way we can set the right expectation. And also too, like, I think a lot can be accomplished. Like we have guys that doing things naturally that guys on drugs will never be able to do. Where's that coming from? I think it comes from in here. I think it comes from here having a vision, but, and you lose that when you start to give into things like drugs. Cause it's like, it's like, you almost think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not capable without it. Right. Yeah. You think, oh, I need this to get the edge, bro. It's not that it's, it's within you. The moment you start down that path again, it, it's, it's, it's that what you, that secret ingredient to become a world champion, I believe is vision and having the conviction to, to, to believe in that vision, to believe in yourself more than anybody. If you're the type to think like, oh, well, I can do it if I just take drugs, you've already eliminated that, that, yeah. that side of it, you know? And so. the secrecy is what breeds anger. Yeah. You know, when, when people are upfront about stuff, even if you think it's wrong or disagree with it, like you, it, there's, <laughs> and you got to be careful where you draw the line here with certain things. Like, like if you walked up to me and said, I'm a racist motherfucker, I, I can't be like, you know what? He's honest. So he's cool. <laughs> right. Like there's a line yeah, to everything, yeah, 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 but absolutely. you know, it's like. When when people are upfront about some of the taboo things or whatever, there's a level of to which other people from the outside go, okay, all right, well at least he told me. You know, yeah. it's like they they feel like they're in on it, right? Yeah. So there's there's less anger with it. But um, what one thing I I did want to make sure we we got to before you got out of here was what the next steps are for you and what you just did recently as well. So you lifted 716, was it on the squat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was down in Miami. Yeah, that was my last squat and bench. Yeah, yeah. So you're Big back bench. in competition now. And yep. where, like, within your weight class, where do you rank in the world? And what's okay. what are the next steps? And what what are the goals? Yeah. So right now, I'm about ten weeks out from nationals. Um, I'm still a junior, but they canceled junior nationals because of COVID, and they also canceled junior worlds, which sucks because this was what my last junior year. Mean? Junior means the age class, so it's like 19 to the day before you turn 24. Got it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're competing against the open, which is all ages. Yeah. This was my last year to have a shot at going to Junior Worlds. And they already canceled Junior Worlds right off the bat, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'm 10 weeks out from Nationals, Raw Nationals, which will be in Daytona Beach, Florida. Mm. Um, of course and, it will be. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, let's see. So, right now... Um, it's it's tricky to say rankings because you had a whole year of quarantine where some people didn't get to compete, some people did. I was lucky enough to compete over the summer, um, so I did get a ranking. But given the fact that not a lot of people have, you know, whatever. Given the current standings in the nation, I'm like top five uh, wow. overall, all t you know, whatever. Uh, top Wait, four, top all five. weight classes. No, no, 93. The 93 okay, kg. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, for yeah. like the most of the other weight classes, yes, except for maybe some of the ones that are above. Right, right, but right. but it's funny because as you go up and up and up, like the 105s, which is the next weight class up, they're competitive. But the ones after that, like there's only like maybe two or three guys that are like big top and then the rest aren't really there. You know what I mean? Because they don't have, they're too tall. And, um, well, they're just, they're just not as competitive total wise. You know, like the 83s and 93 kgs, we're all stacked because there's so many men that weigh this, you know, that weigh what I weigh. Like it's easy to weigh 205 or cut down to 205 to be like 300 or to 250 plus. Not a lot of guys are, are you know, yeah. that heavy and yeah. that strong. Anyway, yeah. So I'm like top, top four to five or let's say four to six in the nation. And that's pretty much like we destroy, uh, every other country for the most part at the IPF championship. So that would probably stay the same. Like I'd probably still be top. I want to say uh, to be safe. Cause I don't want to give any false, you know, presumptions that maybe top four to seven in the wow. world, maybe top four to eight, wow. you know, at, at absolute, absolute worst top 10, like absolute worst. And what is the world record in the squat? At Ooh, that age? 749, I think. So you're 33 pounds off. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I, 
obviously I, I'd hope to, I'm really hoping to chip something this upcoming nationals. I would definitely like to squat 727 or more. I'd like to bench 490 or more, hopefully obviously in the 500s. And I'd like to pull somewhere around 750 plus. So I watched we'll you see. do 435 with your feet in the air the other day. Yeah, on the yeah, Larson, yeah, 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 yeah. Had a guy fucking, challenge me, man. I had to step guy. up, brother. <laughs> I used to love, I, I loved watching that shit yeah. at, at Whip. Like when the guys would just do crazy shit, I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm like, yeah, like I can't fucking do that, but yeah, yo, bro. <laughs> yo, you want me to spot? No, actually, he should spot yeah. that. <laughs> it's like, and, and I see you got like, you, you literally have like the bravest girl in America fucking spotting you on yeah, some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> Like what? What is she on? <laughs> yeah, there was a time over quarantine, dude. Like my girlfriend would spot me on my squats. Wait, you that's your you? girlfriend spotting you? Not the one from yesterday. Okay, that's, that's, that's Ivana. Gonna... That's the girl okay. I was talking about last time uh, about the influencer stuff. But yeah, so my girlfriend would spot me during quarantine because I had I bought like a two hundred dollar rack to put in my my home gym because I wanted to lift and prepare. Gyms were closed, uh, so you do what you got to do. And she would spot me on like my my max attempts, and like they weren't easy. So like even my coach was like, "Dude, your girlfriend's got some balls to be fucking spotting you." Because God forbid, and I was like, "Yeah, well, it's a good thing we didn't fail it." You know? Yeah, yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that starts to get to a territory. Where I'm like, "Yo, bro, I think yeah. uh, I think he might be." I, I don't know. I, like I know I could do it, but like sometimes I'm just like, "What if I'm the guy that drops it?" Oh fuck! Yeah, no, no, no. He's got yeah, a competition wanna, next no. week. I'm not. No, no, no. <laughs> No smart liability man. here. That's smart man. That's the lawyer's son talking like. Oh, there hey, we let, go. Let, let's let's limit our liability. But <laughs> that's nah, awesome. It's man. it is a different different breed. I I've always been very very interested in in the mentality that goes into that and the yeah. patience. Yeah. That's the number one reason why I never got to, got into the powerlifting. Yeah. I like my mentality is. I like to fucking move, yeah. right? So I want to be drenched in sweat. My my great leg day is timing inside of 55 minutes, 20 sets of deadlifts and squats, yeah. 12 to 15 pounds at mid-weight, and I'm fucking like angry while I'm yeah, doing yeah, it because yeah. I'm constantly moving. And so the respect level I have for the guys who have to come in there and train where it's like, yo, over the next hour, we're going to do six sets of four, yeah. but it's it's four of like fucking 1,200 pounds, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's amazing and the patience it takes to do that and then to be able to focus and not rip every fucking muscle on your body every single time yeah. you go in to do that three rep whatever yeah. incredible it, it's definitely it's definitely it's hard incredible. definitely i definitely miss bodybuilding stuff uh i definitely miss sweating i mean we hit accessories we hit by i hit more bodybuilding accessories than most lifters most power lifters uh but i'm also kind of psychotic like i have a thing i have to do an extra set extra rep extra exercise every lift like but um yeah so it definitely, dude, 100%. John says that too, because I coach John yeah. and uh, and we're putting him through a strength phase, peak phase right now. He's like, dude, man, I just miss sweating, bro. I, I don't, like I come in here, spend two hours in the gym and I feel like I, I didn't even do anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. But it is what it is, bro. It's it's these small, consistent compounding wins. You just come in day out. It's the same thing with your podcast. There's a reason why it's so good, man. There's a reason why you're so good at what you do. It's because you've been building this up consistently day in, day yeah. out. Yeah, you man, no shortcuts. It, no shortcuts. You just got to, you, it's like every single day, you just add a little bit. Yep. You know, your win is that even on the bad days, get some shit done. Oh, yeah. The bad days are the ones that really count. Yes. Yeah. 70% yeah. of my training days suck and feel like shit yep. and hurt. And I don't want to go to the gym. And if every single one of those days, you'd be surprised, man. There are some shit that I've done lifting wise that I go into it thinking there's just no fucking way. There's yeah. no way I'm going to be able to do what I have to do today. And it's a grind and it sucks, but then I leave and I'm like, fuck, man, I just did that. There's, did that's it. insane. And the, uh, there's a lot of micro moments like that. And the beautiful thing about lifting is it's physical, so you can feel it. It's not like a mental thing where you're trying to like study and you can't really tell when you're pushing yourself. But when you're in the weight room, you got no choice. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gav, this this was this was fucking awesome, man. You I I lo- I love the issues you go at and and you know, I just I I had a podcast a couple weeks ago. <sighs> what were they? First I had Grant Wiley who's like just a beautiful storyteller and then I worked we worked through who was after that? Mike Spears out of his fucking mind. <laughs> He's my Alex Jones. I like. Oh, there we go. And then Chaz, another great storyteller. Dap leader, another great storyteller. And then Miles, who's very much like you, just goes. Miles Matthews just goes at the shit. So, I've had yeah. a nice balance here of like different vibes. And this vibe today was like my head was in a twist, and I I love that. I don't know how it's going to sound later if I sounded. Hopefully it's cool, dumb, man. Hopefully it's cool. You you were awesome and and great guest. And there's a lot we didn't get to, so we're yeah. gonna have to you know, to be continued. No, dude, I, I just want to say, man, I, I cannot thank you enough for the opportunity. I mean, this is my first podcast and I cannot thank you enough for the Ain't opportunity. Ain't going to be your last. Invite, I, I hope not, man, because this was an awesome experience. And this one, this experience would be tough for other people to beat. That's for fucking sure. Like at John was not kidding. He put in a really good word and he was like, dude, probably one of the best experiences I've had on podcasts. And he's done a bunch. Yeah. And I was like, man, uh, now you got me hyped up. And uh, it, this did not disappoint. This succeeded, man. You seriously. Seriously, Bro, I, I appreciate that, and and we're building something here. And I always say we because it's a couple different things that go into it. First of all, the listeners and viewers, I guess, because people really do view podcasts. I can't believe that. But <laughs> I they do. do. I, by the way, I do. They do. Like I, at the beginning, I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. No one's going to look. But they, they really. There's yeah. a lot of people that just watch on YouTube. But the people that buy into this early because someone starts a podcast, it's like, what's the dumbest thing you can do in America? Start a fucking podcast. But, <laughs> you know, they do and, and, and they buy in and they believe in this thing. And, you know, yeah. now it's in some other countries, which is wild to me. So the appreciation I have for that is it's like bizarre. Like yeah. you think about it, like, I can't believe some dude in fucking England is waiting for my episode yep. to come out. That's that is incredible. It's a very so, surreal feeling. Well, yeah. All those people appreciate it. But the second layer to it that's so important is the guests that have come in here. And, you know, guys buying into this from day one, the earliest guests, and then the guys who continue to come in, someone driving three hours today to be here and just giving a beautiful thought process on everything. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I like to say, like, as this thing goes, everyone's coming with me. Like, that, yeah. that is what it is. So we've had people of all different points of view, all different walks of life and experiences. I got a guy who's now top five in the world yeah. in powerlifting. So when we're talking fitness and things, yeah. like, and it, clearly some other things, too, <laughs> like, you're going to be a go-to. I so, appreciate it, man. Dude, Listen, I, I can't believe you're 23, too. Uh, it's like, okay. holy yeah. shit. I wish, yeah, I th- I get, I'm hard on myself. I definitely do, I definitely do think about that a lot. I wish I was a little, I wish I knew that the se- the secret ingredient was just work. Just yeah. execute. Just do it. Do you the know? work, baby. But uh, yeah, man, look, a rising tide raises all ships. So that's it. So that's, that's it, man. But again, really appreciate it. I'm, I'm really happy and excited for the next one. So, Gab, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate you. Everybody else, give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace. <laughs>